Wrestling Geeks How are you guys doing? This is another wonderful, enticing episode of Wrestling Geeks Alliance, a weekly show in which me and my co-host, Christopher Brother Ray Patton, break down the latest and greatest in professional wrestling news and reviews all the shows and go over all the uh, big pay-per-views. So if you're a new listener, keep on listening. Uh, you can listen to us pretty much on any downloadable platform. We're on Stitcher, iTunes. Uh, we are on YouTube. We are on uh, pretty much everything. Just search in Google, find your pick at Wrestling Geeks Alliance, and you'll find our shows. Put them out weekly. We usually do two shows, but both me and Chris are busy on Thursday, where we normally do our AEW NXT review. So we wanted to basically take away our Saturday by reviewing all this shit at once. So joining me for this long mega super episode, the uh, co-hostess with the mostest, brother Christopher Ray Patton. How you doing, sir? I'm doing great, man. Wouldn't it be hilarious if the review was like Wednesday was good, the rest of the week sucked? And, yeah, and that's <laughs> we just stopped it there. <laughs> Here's the extreme horror rules breakdown. It's probably going to suck. And then we just end the episode. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But we're traveling the whole entire, you know, stratosphere of wrestling. We're going we're gonna to talk about New Japan. And uh, what happened at their main event during Dominion uh, that I think both me and Chris did not see coming at all. Uh, mm. We're going to talk a little bit about Slammiversary, go over the card real quick, uh, which is tonight for Impact. A uh, bunch of wrestlers uh, might be making their appearance. We've got confirmed that EC3, Gallows, and Anderson are definitely going to be there. Uh, but there's a bunch of other secrets, basically. So they're trying to uh, you know, make their roster bigger with a lot of the names, I think, that left WWE. Well... Got kicked out, I should say, by WWE. Um, and then, obviously, we got AEW, we have NXT, we have Raw, we have SmackDown. So it's going to be a, a, a long episode, and we only have, like, one real news item to talk about. So I think we should get started on that. Chris, you know, we were talking about this beforehand. We heard AJ Styles talk about, you know, like, water is wet, the sun is hot, uh, <laughs> Paul Heyman is a liar. Uh, and that's really what he only said during a Twitch, um, you know, thing he did with his fans where he was answering questions. And that got a lot of people wondering what exactly happened. Uh, the rumor was beforehand that Paul was the reason why basically Gals and Anderson uh, was a part of that slash furlough slash fired <laughs> list of wrestlers. Um, and it seems from the interview that uh, Ryan Satin a.k.a., you know, Mr. TMZ himself, uh, the interview that he had with Gals and Anderson from Pro Wrestling Sheet, um, that, that, that's kind of the case. Um, so basically, in the breakdown, they were talking with them. They, they confirmed that concept. Uh, it basically came from a lot of heavy, you know, um, AJ felt bad. He felt like it was partially his fault that, that Gallows and Anderson uh, decided to stay with WWE. Obviously, they took a lot of money, but WWE was trying to make sure that they didn't go to anyone else. They had an offer with AEW at that point, 
Uh, they turned it down, decided to stay with WWE. So AJ was, you know, from what they said, at least from what uh, Carl Anderson said that they had a chance to go and start, you know, with this new wrestling uh, promotion. I don't know why it didn't work out afterwards, but work with their friends, obviously in reference to the Bucks, you know, and, and everyone that's over there that they've worked with before. Uh, but they didn't do that. And apparently, uh, you know, Mr. Paul Heyman, who had all the, uh, the all three gentlemen on Raw, uh, was promising them that, you know, if basically it, it says that I'm trying to think I'm trying to read exactly the duo say they had an issue with a creative decision and were told Paul would be uh, contacting them after making um, contact. Anderson says that they had a great talk. This led them to think that by the end of it, that the executive director of Raw, Paul Heyman, was a fan of his. Uh, Gallo said that Paul said, and I quote, Sir, if I ever lied to you, go on social media and fucking just just fucking bury me. Fucking put me under the dirt because I fucking deserve it. And I want the guys in the locker room to know that I can't be fucking trusted. Well, uh, shortly after that, they would find out confirmation from not only Vince when they were, you know, part of that list that really Vince makes a final decision. They even admitted that, but it was actually Paul Heyman that positioned the concept of the fact of how much they were making that they would be too good people to cut because they didn't really have relevance, basically, um, in the company besides being AJ's, uh, you know, posse. So that would, apparently from what they're saying, have them being two of the guys that got fired because they thought they were on good terms with Vince. They thought they were on good terms with Paul. Apparently that's not the case. But like I said, Paul is a, a, a brilliant person when it comes to wrestling. But there's a story that Tommy Dreamer told not too long ago about how he actually considered, because of how much money Paul owed him with ECW, about murdering him. He admitted that. Now, obviously, they've worked out their shit. They're good friends. But he, he, he was being like he was going insane from this. Paul Heyman, like I said, creatively, you can't speak you know, bad about him. But I think it's well known within the wrestling industry that, unfortunately, Paul will play this type of role. And not only that, but sometimes he does it to motivate the wrestlers and turn them against each other, which is very Vince McMahon-ish, if you think about it, but to a larger level. Uh, Chris, would you agree with that? And what do you think about these comments from Gallows and Anderson basically kind of supporting what AJ said that, you know, Paul's a liar and essentially the reason why Gallows and Anderson got fired from WWE? It's way easier to point the blame at Paul Heyman than it is at Vince McMahon, especially if you ever want to work there again. That's what I think. <laughs> so you think Paul's innocent in all this? I don't think he's innocent, but I mean, it's not like all of Paul's storylines were getting there. Like, think about Apollo Crews and Ricochet and a lot of the people that we've heard that he wanted to push that were kiboshed. Um, if you're asking me if Paul Heyman could come up with something for Anderson and Gallows to do, given free reign, I'm sure he could come up with something for them to do. I doubt that they were his least favorite people in that locker room. But it is easier to point the finger at Paul Heyman. And that's kind of what he was hired for. Same thing with Eric Bischoff, right? Or am I being too conspiracy theorist about this? No, I don't think you are. But, you know, 
you don't think that there is a possibility and they said that they had insider i don't know what the fuck that means i guess they talk to people like that's what dave says too but people had told them that paul told vince that if they cut them it would make a lot of sense since they were making so much money compared to some of the other guys in the locker room with that new deal which I might be true. See him do it which might be true but like if if paul's fighting for apollo cruz ricochet and cedric alexander or three or four people and they're asking him a, a, a financial question. That's just an honest answer, right? Yeah, that is true. So that's a that's a hard way to look at it. But you know, Vince presented him with a situation of like, "Hey, I just signed these guys to this massive ass deal. Figure out how it should work, Paul. <laughs> like, <laughs> here's your budget. Also, you're going to be fired shortly thereafter. Them. So it's not like <laughs> it wasn't like that. He fired them and is still going on a run." Or something, you know what I mean? Yeah, well, that makes. I think that makes sense. I think personally, you're giving a little bit too much credibility towards Paul Heyman and how he manipulates situations, oh. and, and he's been known for that for years. I mean, but, Paul's a Paul's a sleaze bag. I mean, you go back to that New Jack court case. He should have definitely been arrested. And New Jack said the only reason he wasn't arrested was that Paul worked the jury. Essentially, like Paul is not by any means as a promoter is not necessarily a good person, but I am willing to give him a benefit of a doubt because everyone in that WWE top tier with Kevin Kelly and Vince McMahon and those cats, they're also not necessarily good people. No. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I they probably gave Paul Heyman a You a meant hard Kevin choice. Dunn. Kevin Dunn. Not Kevin Kelly used to work there, but yeah, Kevin yeah. Kevin Dunn. Um they're all not necessarily uh, good people, so I, it's a combined effort, right? I mean, I don't think Paul cares. <laughs> it, it's not going to hurt him one way or the other. Um, and also, it's going to work out better for Anderson and Gallows because they're going to make the same amount of money and probably be happy doing what they're doing. And now we got a new reinvention of the Bullet Club. Maybe you get a new LIJ with Anderson and Gallows coming back. Or something cool because that contract's very open on what they That's could all, do. That would be awesome. So there's some cool shit that they can do. I'm excited to see what happens at Slammiversary. And I'm not. I mean, Paul could have just been being a dick. I'm just saying when whenever you talk about WWE in general, it's never the fall guy. It's always a uh, shit runs downhill kind of scenario. Especially yeah. when you look at how many people got released at the same time as them. Yeah, that's a good point. And remember, this is a company, no matter what, that this year have made more money than they ever have with all the stuff that they had. And yes, they're losing from not doing live events and selling as much merch, but there was really, honestly, no reason to cut anyone from the company. Um, so, yeah, I completely agree with you on Vince. I think it is also, you know, Paul Paul saying one thing and then kind of doing the other behind scenes. He's been known to do that. Him and Brian Gortz, you know, almost got in a fist fight backstage back when he was doing SmackDown and Brian was doing Raw because he was stirring up stuff. That's Paul Heyman. That's how he's presented in this industry. That's why he's always had a top position because he can talk himself and he's a brilliant man. So uh, the, the other question would be, you know, now we know Gallows and Anderson, they're going to be a part of Impact. And they also can work freely with New Japan and go back and forth, which is weird because it's the first time Impact's really worked with New Japan on anything, uh, even if it's just a deal that, you know, they're 
they're they're both using them. Now we also obviously have Don Callis in charge, so that might have had something to do with those negotiations. But this is awesome for us. That impact, you know, we're going to talk more about Slammiversary uh, in a little bit. But they're getting some big names. Uh, a lot of them, you know, they're, they're getting some work for these wrestlers that got fired and stuff that were, you know, part of them. I'm sure we could possibly see Eric Young uh, and a lot a lot of other people uh, showing up. But um, I basically, what, how do you feel about, the, you know, Gallows and Anderson having this deal with Impact and being able to jump and go to New Japan back and forth? Oh man, I think it's great that they're going to be on Impact. It's a it's a big draw, especially since it's a very tight knit audience of just diehard wrestling fans at this point. Which not throwing shade on Impact, but that is kind of what it is. It's a, it's a cult following, right? Um, and Anderson and Gallows, knowing what they've done in Japan and knowing how fucking good they are, and having a working relationship with Japan is awesome. I do think the Anderson Gallows were like, we're not signing anything unless we can go work Japan. So there's probably going to be long periods of time where Anderson Gallows are just gone, which could be fine if worked out properly. My thing is, like, I really don't know the tag division and impact right now, so I don't know who they would be going against, honestly. Um, Dane, maybe you can speak more to that, but, like, I, I don't know who you – I mean, I guess you just have Anderson Gallows dominate everybody. But I don't know who would be the people to kind of stop them. Uh, so I'm assuming there's a good chance that even though they can go either way, they, they're probably going to be babyface, I would assume. They could be heel. I have no idea. Champions right now is a team called the North. Um, all ego Ethan Page is the ma- – it's basically him, and I forgot what his tag partner is, but uh, his tag partner is known for being a grappler, does the whole entire Rick Steiner uh, you know, wrestling gear, head thing uh, that he wears uh, to the ring. Big buff guy, Ethan Page, I think, and I've met him in person. He, I've seen him live at um, smaller events, you know, a couple years ago. Now all these guys are blowing up. He came from Evolve uh, originally and actually had some problems with Gabe Sapolsky on the way out, but that's neither here nor there. But he's one of the best heels, I think, in the business. That's not on AEW or WWE or any of those platforms. Um, there's that, there's the Rascals, which are much more known for being, um, high flyers, super baby face. They kind of do this, that 70 show stoner thing where they, they pan the camera and shit, but they're known for being, you know, fun in the ring. Uh, they remember Trey has a, he's up for the world heavyweight championship at Slammiversary. I, I want to say the other team, I can't remember. They're two brothers, but they're, I don't, it's not the Dawson's. That's the, the group from NWA, but uh, they're, they're fun kind of good old boy type of tag team, but they're not the Briscoes, but like much more like uh lighthearted and, and, and that, but they definitely lost a lot of tag teams. I mean, the Lucha brothers used to be there. LAX used to be there. Obviously they're on AEW now. Um, so it will be interesting to throw Gallows and Anderson. And remember one thing that we're kind of, you know, forgetting a bit. Um, I think a lot of people forget is that. Gallows can be, but Carl Anderson can be a very good singles person uh, by himself. You know, he's he's actually had a really good career in New Japan, so people shouldn't count out the fact that he might actually go for the title or something uh, eventually, at least maybe the X Division title. I think that would be a very unique way to use them instead of throwing them in. I mean, not to shit on any of these guys, but everyone you just named I've never really heard of or seen work from. <laughs> So, uh, and and that's part on me, just not watching Impact that closely, I guess, recently. Um, 
but yeah, you could just do bodyguard and Carl Anderson chasing the title. I mean, the guy almost did win G1. Like he had a very good G1 standing when he was in Bullet Club before they left New Japan. Uh, there's some cool stuff you could do there. Uh, but them coming in as a dominant tag team, I feel like they need to build or get a big tag team. I don't know what that get would be. Maybe that get is Zack Ryder and Heath Slater because Zack Ryder posted promo pics of his new ring gear and said two days and did not specify what two days meant. So hmm. that, that would be very interesting. They, uh, you know, not Heath Slater. Um, shit. Brian oh, Myers. Uh, Kurt Hawkins. Yeah. yeah, Kurt Hawkins. <laughs> I, I, um, one thing that they do a lot of, and I don't know if they have a relationship anymore with them, but they were switching with MLW all the time as far as tag teams. And I would love to see the Von Erichs uh, come in there. You know, they've been with their dad, Kevin, and they've become a really great tag team, very old school reminiscent, obviously, of their uncles and their dad. Um, I'm trying to think of other tag teams that are over there, though. Other than that, they usually put two guys together from their different factions and whatnot. But I think that you would really like the North, especially because of Ethan Page. He's a great heel. Uh, they're going to do stuff regardless. They're big names. They're going to help out. You know, there's rumors that Bully Ray's coming. There's rumors that uh, there was another person released recently, and I can't remember who it was. And I don't think it was WWE, but might be oh james storm might be coming back to to impact uh due to obviously i don't know that would mean that he can still work with nwa or what's going on i guess that is another news story i kind of forgot about but billy corgan confirmed and shut down the rumors that raven started that the nwa was uh you know going away uh billy said that that's not true and that he's just working stuff out and right now they can't perform because i don't think billy's willing to put shows on in atlanta without with the whole mass situation and everything, so he's making that decision. But apparently that's fine. So NWA is still there, but they're definitely letting people go if they need to and uh, maybe doing split deals because, like I said, James Storm is rumored to maybe show up tonight. Eli Drake's rumored to show up tonight. If they get EC3, if they get Eric Young back and put him in a good position, if they get the good brothers, you know, I don't think Rusev would go there. Who knows about Zack Ryder? A lot of people have thought that he might be going to AEW. but you know, if Impact brings stars that we're used to, that we wanted to see get good pushes in WWE, um, it's going to bring my eyes back to the product a bit more. And I've been trying to get caught up. I like a lot of the people on there. I'm a big Sammy Callahan fan as a, as a heel. He's a fucking – now he's a babyface and a tag team with Ken Shamrock, but whatever. Um, really weird and random. But they're doing some stuff. They have a great women's division, so I, I hope the best of them. And that kind of can go into our next story. I'll let you comment on what I just said, and then we'll kind of go over Slammiversary's card. Some might consider Ken Shamrock's entire career very weird. <laughs> he looks in as... great shape, man, besides his face. It's like if you took the old Italian New York man face and put it on, like, this giant buff body. Dude, he looks great. Weird. Like he he's been having decent matches too, especially considering that he was out of the wrestling ring for. He's been what, doing like, springboards outside the ring and jumping planches over the ropes. Like it's fucking crazy. Yeah, my friend. Not graceful. My friend Ken Shamrock has been doing pretty good. <laughs> Jesus. That's a joke for old uh, for people that have listened to the show. <laughs> um, I'm getting yeah, scared no. right now thinking about him. <laughs> 
Ken, uh, no, Ken Shamrock's been great. I like the uh, idea of like him and Sammy Callahan. It's just a weird combination. Like if you were like Ken Shamrock and Timothy Thatcher, I'd be like, fuck yes. Like yeah. that sounds awesome. Uh, or Tom Lawler. Yeah, or Filthy Tom. Yeah, something like that. It's uh, so all the tag teams came just uh, disjointed, I guess. In which I, they're doing what they can, right? So, I mean, they yeah. have a limited roster. Uh, with Ethan Page, I remember him as like I can't remember the name of the lawyer character that Abyss plays. Uh, as like Abyss's cousin or something, like a while back. Could be. Um, and is it what is, is his it name? Joseph Park, maybe? Yes. Yes, Joseph okay. Park. Okay. So he did some stuff there, and I've seen some of his indie work, but his tag uh, partner, I, I You might be getting him confused, and I don't know, but he, uh, uh, what is it, Gato, the British wrestler? Is that who you're getting confused with? Because I think no, he was doing stuff. No. Uh, no? Gato with um, – because he did that whole storyline during this time period – well, that time period with Chelsea Green where she was trying to marry him. Yep. Which might be the Make coolest thing. Make him a citizen. Thing. Yeah, <laughs> which was a great storyline. I mean, I watch Impact, but not enough to really comment on the structure of their tag division. I do know that, like, Anderson Gallows is a big upgrade, and if he can get, like... The problem is, is, like, there's so much, like... I don't know, there's so much better than a lot of people that are on that roster, and I don't mean that in a mean way. And the same thing if, like, Zack Ryder and <laughs> Brian Myers shows up. Um, I don't know. I mean, like, they still have Moose, right? Moose, yep. And uh, you got Cedric, or not Cedric Alexander, but um, damn. Desmond Xavier? No, who's the guy that tried to find his girlfriend outside of a car and got arrested and then fired from WWE? Oh, Sue Young's uh, boyfriend. Um, <laughs> God dang it, uh, Rick Swan. He's actually he's injured right now. Uh, I'm, just, I'm trying to think of people that they have as top stars, and when you... Well, Think about who they would be bringing in with the EC3, Anderson and Gallows, possibly maybe Zack Ryder. You have to elevate them directly to the top, right? Absolutely. Um, you would have to definitely mix it up. Uh, since, since you know, you haven't watched it admittedly in a while, I've watched the last two episodes, but before that it had been a while just to like kind of catch me up for Slammiversary. Why don't we go over Slammiversary's card? Um, the first First match listed, not knowing if it's in order or not, but uh, the Rascals, uh, the other two members, not Trey, but Zachary Wentz and Desmond Xavier uh, are going against to be announced. I think this is where Callows and Anderson are going to come out and destroy them because they've been a big baby face, you know, tag team. So maybe they are positioning them as heels. Maybe it's someone else. We don't know. I, they just obviously are not on the card anywhere else. So it would make sense to put Anderson and Gallows in here. Um we have Moose going against Tommy Dreamer for the TNA, the unsanctioned TNA World Heavyweight Champion. Uh, Moose just basically stole it and has been calling himself the real champion. Uh, <laughs> whole Tessa thing. Uh, it's actually been great. He did these vignettes, Chris, that were like the Mr. Perfect vignettes for the last couple uh, <laughs> weeks that I've seen. But instead of like doing it perfect, he just beats the shit out of the uh, coach that he's do doing tennis with. Or makes them say that he did a great job while he edits it. Um, it's, it's been pretty funny. <laughs> so I, I have seen that. And uh, I've seen Moose's stuff. Because we talked about just creating a title out of thin air. Because all three companies did it at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> Remember we talked about it a couple of weeks ago. Um, but yeah, like the Moose stuff has been great. And uh, I don't know, him versus Tommy Dreamer should be pretty good. It'll be entertaining. 
I yeah. like Moose a lot. Like, I think he's great. So then the North, uh, Ethan Page, and Josh Alexander was the name of him, basically Rick Steiner, uh, is going against Ken, Ken Shermock and Sammy Callahan. They've had the tag team titles for, I think, I want to say eight months is what they have. Um, and they're going against Shamrock and Sammy Callahan. We have the women's uh, a gauntlet match to determine the number one contender for the Impact Knockouts champion with Alicia Edwards, Eddie Edwards' wife and wrestler, obviously, at Impact for a while. Havoc, Kira Hogan, Kimberly, uh, Kylie Ray, Navia, Madison Rain, Rosemary, Susie Q. Or, Susie is Sue Young, but she's had this new flip where she's like this 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 nice like I don't know like like doll like like hi I'm so happy instead of being the creepy Sue Young character and she's getting like kind of sucked back into that Sue Young doing her finisher doing stuff like her so she's been doing great uh, Tasha Steeles and then uh, Taya Valkyrie so a lot of great women in that match um, they do have a great women's division. Uh, then we have Willie Mack going against Chris Bay for the uh, Impact X Division, Willie Mack being the champion. Jordan Grace, uh, the champion, going against Deanna Perrazzo. They did a lot on that morning show that Bully Ray is a part of. I forgot the name of it, but they built it really well on it between the two ladies. And then, obviously, the last uh, one is Ace Austin, Eddie Edwards, Trey against To Be Announced. We don't know who it is. It was supposed to be Tessa. That's obviously not going to happen, but it's for the uh, Impact World Championship to crown a new champion. So pretty good card. Uh, any comments, questions about any of it? Since I'm a, a master of knowing Impact, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> How many people are in that women's match? I, I was trying to list them all off. There's like 10 or 15. What, is it a battle Two, royal? Three, or? Four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11. 11, and it's a gauntlet match, so it's going to be long as shit. One person starting at the beginning, and then every single person coming out. My God, I hate the WWE idea of a gauntlet match now. I hate it. Uh, a gauntlet match is back when Stone Cold had to fight 10 people. That's a gauntlet match. Not just random people get eliminated. That's a battle royal. Uh, I, I, I like the Su Young character. I, I've seen some of that stuff with uh, Suji Q. It feels like very kawaii where she can snap back to a demon so i kind of like that um i'm pulling for rosemary do you think that's weird no because you love <laughs> rosemary go back and listen to the previous episodes of the show uh, <laughs> dane loves rosemary <laughs> i also love rosemary um god i mean rosemary wouldn't be a bad pick in this in the women's division as far as what i've kept up with but I don't know. I don't think it's going to be Taya because she's had she had the title for like a year and she finally lost it. Uh, so I don't think they're going to put it right back on her. She picked it up from she picked it up when Tessa dropped it, right, and then had it for a yep. while. Yeah. So yeah, probably not going to put it right back on her. I would say maybe Sue Young or Rosemary, just based out of that list and not seeing the recent episodes of Impact. Mm-hmm. Um. It would make sense with Rosemary maybe bringing the demon out. So uh, it like, let's say Sue Young wins, right? Rosemary can bring that demon back out of her, and they can have that kind of feud, monster versus monster kind of thing. What I would love is since uh, Crazy Steve is back on Impact, he just made his debut, uh, I think two weeks ago, um, and they haven't had any interaction between Rosemary and Crazy Steve yet. He's kind of just, like, started again. 
I would love for him to come out and cause Rosemary to beat Taya because they've been like a unit. It's been Taya, Valkyrie, and Rosemary for some reason, but it's worked, at least in the packages that I've seen. Uh, so if it gets down to those two ladies and Crazy Steve comes out, helps out Rosemary, and they bring out, you know, uh, well, without Abyss, basically, but that version of Decay again, I think the uh, the Impact fans would probably like that. Yeah, that would be pretty cool. Or he could flip the script and, and turn, you know, Sue Young back evil. To That's a good one, too. Rosemary. I think he could do it either way. But I, I do think they though, those three that you just mentioned with Valkyrie, uh, Sue Young, obviously, and Rosemary are probably going to be the three at the end of this match, would be my guess. But uh, I, there's a lot of cool things they can do with their character. They do have a really good women's division. Um, not as good as NXT, but pretty no. damn good, all things considering. Probably better than AEW's, considering yeah. they don't. They just bring people in from Japan, so I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, and I think that I've liked the the first promo we both gave shit to, but I think Deanna Prazo has come back uh, with her character, and basically, she's not going for a female MJF, but that's an easy way to describe it. Like she's rich, she's too good for all this shit. And Jordan Grace is basically a pimple on her ass. And Jordan Grace, I mean, Tom Callis said it the best. She's like a female rhino. And, um, you know, she's been the knockouts champion for a while since she beat Ty Valkyrie for the title. So I'm looking forward to that. But when it comes to the Fatal 4-Way, you know, I like Ace Austin. He's a young kid. He's 23. Uh, He was born in 97, Chris, which is fucking weird. So when he was younger, the people that inspired him was the older Shawn Michaels, which he went back. AJ Styles was his favorite. Um, He is incredible in the ring. He's one of those other guys that you know he's going to be good. Trey's another one uh, that has been building. I don't know what his last name is. He only goes by Trey, which is weird. I don't think Eddie Edwards would be getting the title, but I'm mostly excited about who's the to be announced. You know, that could be a spot for EC3. That could be a spot for Eric Young, Crazy Steve. Bully Ray, there's so many choices, and we don't know who's going to all show up at the Slammiversary. This is really TNA's, or Impact, I should say, is WrestleMania. So who do you think is going to be that last person involved in the uh, you know, four-way, and do you think they're automatically probably going to win the title? Well, we kind of teased this a few weeks back, where they they on Impact, as far as what I've been reading from the reviews, they've been teasing an Aces and Eights reunion. They've been they've been hinting at everything. They showed fo- like they basically went over the they made it look like it was a news report from a sports station, but obviously they staged it. And the guy said, you know, uh, the drop of wrestlers from uh, from blah blah blah. They didn't say WWE, but uh, there's going to be a big influx and impact. And they show like flashes of Eric Young winning his title shot, uh, Mike Kanellis and and Maria, uh, you know, at there. Then they showed a flash of. Of James Storm, they showed a fat flash of EC3, uh, Gallows and Anderson. That's why all this has been kind of promoted. They even showed a fucking flag of the Bulgarian flag, and I don't think Rusev is going to end up there. But who is going to show up from that list? Basically, is the question. Who's going to show up that might have left NWA? You know, is is basically what they're hinting at. The sarcastic version of me is they all show up because it's TNA. <laughs> they just they just fucking put all of them in there. Yeah, he's like, guess what? We're flipping the script, and here's a bullshit finish. Jeff comes out and he's like, this is actually going to be a nap, man. 
I know I work for WWE. It's going to be a nine-man battle royal for the title. Uh, that was a low-key joke for old TNA fans. Um, there you go. I, I guess Bully Ray. I mean, I if like... you really want to piss off the uh, audience in a good way, like heel-wise, yeah, Bully Ray would probably be a good person. I mean, Bully Ray could end up winning the match and then immediately get fucked up by EC3 and you get the crowd back up, right? Yeah, if they wanted to do that, for sure. And then I will there's be... your feud, but you'll be disregarding like everyone else in that match if you do that. But Bully Ray would uh, like as soon as he shows up and then goes back to Aces and Eights, badass Bully Ray. He might be the top heel in their company at that point since they switched Sammy to babyface. That makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. And obviously that would be a great feud. I mean. There's been so many comparisons. They've started a fake angle for an indie show that they, they had a match at. But Bully Ray versus Sammy Callahan, I think, is something that fans would like to see displayed on television, basically. Um, just because Sammy's very, very similar to Bully Ray, almost. they got a very similar vibe to him. But, they are, and you could you could do, like, if EC3 shows up and demolishes Bully, you could do EC3 can't win, so Sammy has to come and, and be the guy to be crazy enough to beat Bully Ray and his uh, weird biker gang. Still better than the, uh, the uh, what was his name, Gunner version of that in WWE, but it's also bad. I hope they don't do aces and eights, but I would like to no. see back. <laughs> Maybe it's just a sign for Bully. I don't know, but... Like I said, I'm looking forward to Slammiversary tonight. I think it's cheap on Fight TV. I might just purchase it if that's the case. Unless they want like 70, 60 bucks for it, then no. But I will end up watching it some way, somehow. Um, but yeah, I think we should uh, leave the uh, world of Impact and hope they have a great night. But talk about something that happened last weekend, Chris. Um, <laughs> New Japan, Dominion. Uh, the night after, Evil Beats... At the end of the uh, you know the finals, he beats Okada. He goes on to fight his old mentor Tetsuya Naito uh, from LIJ for both the IWGP Heavyweight and the IWGP Intercontinental Championships. Um, <laughs> I don't think anyone saw this coming. Not only did Evil that night after Okada beat up Naito and join Bullet Club, uh, you know a Bullet Club that doesn't have some of its leaders. Uh, for whatever reason, we haven't seen Kenta on New Japan. Maybe you know the reason behind that. But I obviously know that Jay White's held up in England, hasn't been coming over to Japan. So I don't know if this is like a takeover and Evil's going to be the new leader. I just feel like when it comes to Bullet Club, you've had three big leaders. You had, obviously, Finn Balor, Prince Devitt at the time, the first one. I know Carl Anderson was calling the shots over in... New Japan while AJ Styles was over in Ring of Honor and they switched up, but it seemed like AJ was the primary leader of the Bullet Club during his time. Kenny, and then Bully Ray said it on his show that it should have gone to Tamatanga and he should have been the leader since then. But obviously they tried the experiment of Jay White. I think it's worked out somewhat. We don't know where Kenta's position is on that. I guess he's like his right-hand man. But now Evil comes into it, and Dominion, he beats... After a pretty brutal match, he beats his old mentor, the leader of LIJ, Tetsuya Naito, and becomes the new IWGP heavyweight champion, IWGP intercontinental champion. Naito just fucking won at Wrestle Kingdom. Obviously, the pandemic hit, 
and now they're putting it on evil. I don't really get the decision-making on that. And I'm going to let New Japan do their thing, because Gato has taken us on a journey so far, and he's done a good job, for the most part. I think they've dropped the ball a little bit with the uh, Bullet Club crumbling, allowing Tamatanga to kind of like take on the elite. They just kind of dropped the ball on that. For, but for the most part, great storytelling. How do you feel now that Evil, uh, someone you're a fan of, Chris, has beaten Okada one night, and now after a very short title reign where we all thought that you know Naito was going to have momentum, cuts Naito short and takes both of his titles? It's crazy because I was just kidding when I said Evil could win this thing like four weeks ago. <laughs> um, I know some of the decisions were made on injuries. We haven't heard any word of what's going on with Kenta. But knowing Kenta's history and his age, maybe he's injured. And uh, you are positioning, I don't know, kind of a cool feud if Evil takes over Bullet Club and brings back Anderson and Gallows, for instance. I think there's some cool things that could be had there. The matches themselves, I thought both of them were really, really, really good. Not to the same level as other New Japan matches, but not disappointing. I mean, I guess... The thing that saddens me the most is poor Naito's run <laughs> after he waited so long to get the title is just cut off. Um, I don't know. I mean, like, what are your feelings? Do you like Evil as Bullet, Bullet Club leader or you want someone else? I, it's definitely not Jay White. He, he just doesn't have the personality. He's not – he's good in the ring, but he's not good enough to stand out where he could be the do leader. You, do you agree with Bully that this should have been Tamatanga? And he should have been the leader all through this, basically? No. No? Okay. <laughs> no. Just wondering. That motherfucker I mean, can stir up some shit. I mean, he could, but you could you could also say that with, if Gato is with Jay Wyatt, why is he not just the leader, just like Eric Bischoff was? That's like, a good why, point. Why is there not a puppet master, honestly? I mean, it, I mean Kenta was – to me, Kenta was pinned to be the leader based on how they finished Wrestle Kingdom, right? Mm-hmm. And obviously something is going on with him. So, I mean, I don't know what that is, but I mean, I thought he was pinned to be the guy as a top heel. I I really thought they kind of went with a different, you know, they worked a different. We've seen evil in his presentation. He's had this somewhat, you know, supernatural style concept, but it's been a lot with his entrance. And he's just like this bull in the ring. Uh, you know, I kind of mentioned him earlier, but Rhino-ish, like to someone that is big, stocky, and can fuck you up pretty badly. Um, but I was hoping that if they did this, which me and you were talking about, could he beat Okada? And I wasn't even sure with that, but I wanted him to be to beat Okada and then drop everyone and just be a singles person and maybe really harness more some of that supernatural uh, makeup but he turned the evil concept into he's fucking evil. So now he is the leader of Bullet Club. I don't know if I would have done that, honestly. I think that they've got so many members. Maybe it's because they don't know when Jay White's coming back because he's in England. They don't know when Kent is coming back because he's injured, possibly. Um, but I don't know if I would have had him beat Naito. It's just like I don't know if they just lost faith in Naito. It doesn't make sense because it wasn't his fault that everything stopped pretty much very soon after he won. Um, so I wish I would have kept the title on him, maybe have Evil lose, do some heel shit in it, 
and then build it up for something else later. But I don't know if I really agree, and I can't believe I'm disagreeing with the booking from Gato, but I don't know if I agree with the route they went. I wouldn't have done that to Naito. Yeah, unfortunately, New Japan, we don't get as much news out of, so we don't know how long Kenta is gone for or how long Jay White's gone for. So if they're booking for the immediate future, you know, Evil versus Naito makes sense. He's part of Naito's crew, turned against him. Now he's a heel. He flipped to the Bullet Club, a team that they hate or a group that they hate. It's a very simple storyline, but it is very New Japan to some extent. Um, It's just going to be weird to see him interact with some of the other members of Bullet Club, I guess. But, I mean, it, this also could be his moment to shine. Who knows? Because we've only seen Evil with the LIJ, uh, the LIJ presentation for, like, what, three or four years at this point? So, I don't know. They definitely think he's ready to go in the ring, for sure. And I cannot disagree with them there if they want to push him as a top guy. I mean, if it was me, I would have just done Okada versus NATO and had Naito win and then had Evil attack Naito after the match. If, if you were doing this storyline, at least you would have given the fans, like... yeah. Here's a banger of a match. But I who am I to disagree? Sort of thing. Yeah, who am I to disagree with Gato though? Like I'm sure he has something up his sleeve that'll be really good. Now all we all we know, you know, from all that we know, basically, this could be a situation where Naito's now gonna chase evil and eventually get the titles back off of him. But this has to, it seems like when Gato, you know, tells Naito what they're gonna do, this has to kind of like diminish his his belief that he's considered a top person in the company it's it it would i i would think that you know someone like him he gets titles finally after that first run where everyone was you know basically doing the same thing they did to roman reigns and cena if you will and then he creates this new concept with lij gets his popularity back up tries a new style you know a little bit of piper-ish a little bit you know just just that rebel concept and now becomes a champion, and then the belts are gone. Like, do you think that Naito is happy? I guess this is what I'm asking you with what happened. Happy with the decision, or is it about the long-term storytelling that they'll get him back onto it? So I think it's long-term storytelling. If they're building him back to win it back at Wrestle Kingdom or win G1, I'm sure he's okay with it. And now that you brought up that he's the – this is the problem with double champions. New Japan – essentially booked themselves out of this without having to drop the title because now evil can just give the title to someone as part of the bullet club, which might've been why they did this in general. He could just be like, you're this title now, you know what I mean? And then he can be the main guy and then you build up, you know, G one. And for whatever reason, Naito's block is full of bullet club guys. And he has to work his way through that shit. When it get the title, go back to, Wrestle Kingdom. I mean, I guess it just depends on what they're doing with Coda, but I'm I'm assuming you're getting Naito and Coda versus a lot of different Bullet Club people in the very near future. <laughs> Would be my guess. That was another. We'll talk about that too, since you brought up Kota Ibushi. Kota Ibushi and uh, Tanahashi lost to Zack Saber Jr. and who was I'm pretty sure supposed to be Minoru Suzuki got taken out and re- replaced by one of my favorite New Japan wrestlers, Taichi. Um, so they're probably going to be now both involved in the singles division. I know that just like Okada, Tanahashi is considered a guy that will elevate either a title or another person. They're just put where they have to. 
And speaking on that factor, outside of just that, you know, no, you, you noted Kota Ibushi, but him and Tanahashi probably being back in the singles division, I would assume, unless they go back for those belts again. Um, Okada, he lost at the end of it. Basically, the question is, and I know the answer is probably going to be no, but has Kazushi Okada, his, his ceiling, has he done everything he could possibly fucking do in New Japan already? Like, where is Okada going to be? Um, in an interview, he said he missed his balloons. Please, Okada, don't bring back the fucking balloons. Um, I don't. I, I just feel like, is he now gatekeeper? Gatekeeper in what sense? Like, gatekeeper like uh, Sami Zayn and Dolph Ziggler, or gatekeeper like... Tanahashi. Okay. Uh, maybe. Cena. Maybe. I could see him leaving and doing something else more than Tanahashi. Oh, yeah. But, which would be amazing for every American wrestling fan if he just showed up on AEW at one point. Like, you'd be like, holy shit, it'd be awesome. Uh, I don't think that's going to happen necessarily, but if it did, it'd be awesome. Um, No, I mean, he's always going to be their consistent fallback guy. He is their John Cena to some extent. And the difference between him and John Cena is his matches, well, not that John Cena's matches are terrible or anything. Okada can have a fucking good match with anyone. (laughs) He's like, all right, I'm I'm defending the title against Yano in a 60-minute match. Got it. No problem. (laughs) Like... It doesn't matter because he's that fucking good. He's like Ric Flair territory good. Uh, yeah. He's like, Who, who's your guy? Okay, I'll I'll get him over, but I'll, I'm still going to win the match. Um, I thought he was great in the tournament itself. I mean, you know, he lost evil, but that's kind of cool. Yeah, you, you kind of may set up, you know, Okada and Naito, not the best of friends. But at this point, they probably both hate Gato and evil. So, you know, there's a lot of tag team scenarios they're going to set up. New Japan loves these three-way tag teams, as we talked about in the past, which is probably my least favorite thing about New Japan, is that's how they flesh out a lot of their storylines, is like, let's have three or four people tag against each other. Um, But outside of that, I mean, I don't know. I mean, like, if Okada, if if Evil wins the title and Okada just whips his ass and go to Wrestle Kingdom and it's like, Obushi versus Okada. Is anyone going to be mad? No, I don't think anyone will give a fuck. I think <laughs> yeah. they're really happy with that outcome. I mean, Okada, he worked his way through, you know, the entire tournament and lost. But he also fought. You can. I'm sure this is how New Japan is going to like put it because there were some injuries on the other bracket where Evil came through, through, and that's maybe why Evil won to begin with. Uh, was that Okada went through the harder bracket. Yeah. So, oh, man. It, it's, it's interesting. We'll, we'll see what happens, of course. But, yeah, no, I don't think Okada is necessarily a gatekeeper. It's just they're scared to put the title back on him because he's like Brock Lesnar. Once you put the title on him, his, title, match, his title matches are so fucking good. Like, how do you take it off of him? Because New Japan has a very big level of respect of what happens in the ring fan wise mm-hmm. <laughs> so you have to have someone that's gonna you know match him intensity wise and have that match where it's believable um and unfortunately shibata killed himself by headbutting <laughs> okada <laughs> or we would be like shibata the heavyweight champion right now God, yeah i'm so pissed about that still 
and sad. Sad. Sad and pissed. So in a scenario that I'm just going to throw out there for the hell of it to wrap this up, you know, since, like we're saying, he is gatekeeper and, and much more, I'm not, like I was saying, Tanahashi, John Cena-esque in concept, where it's he can elevate people, he can elevate the title that he's positioned to, and he's always a go-to person. Hmm, you know, what if, like, the AEW champion, John Moxley, whenever he drops that belt and the next person takes it, he goes back over to Japan and they, you know, give him a couple, like, maybe three months over in Japan to go and work and... uh Basically, he has a U.S. champion. He's still the U.S. champion for New Japan. You know, have that title go around him. Let him do another. I know that he wants to work in New Japan. And, you know, from that, be like, here, you get our ex-champion. He already has one of your belts. How about we have Okada over here for three months? Be able to have a program. We have Kenny that's building himself back as being the cleaner. He's at least making those type of uh, suggestions now on the, the main shows, on Dynamite, and on also being the elite and pretty much everything else. Um that clash on American television between the two of them coming back to that feud would be awesome. Do you think that they could work anything like that out? Because realize that even though it's it's known that there was tension between the Bucks and Cody and Kenny with this new promotion before it was AEW with New Japan and, and their bookers, like it wasn't a happy ending, basically. They also have loud their talent, Chris Jericho, Kenny, uh, you know, and and also obviously John Moxley to be able to work with New Japan. So it, could there be any type of give and take in that type of situation? Do you think? Did Kenny ever actually go over there and work? I know he has an open contract, but I'm trying to think of the last match he. No, did he hasn't. The last match, but he has the option basically if he wants to. Apparently, well, if they want him, I guess is is the bigger question. <laughs> um. With Moxley, that would be very interesting. Him versus Okada, I could see that. Um, well, no, not 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 him versus Okada. Him for Okada. Okay. Three months probably. You know, he goes back over there and defends the U.S. belt after he drops the AEW championship in the future, and Okada comes over for a program sort of thing. Yeah, I think that's the biggest weird thing is like Okada has said in the past it, he would rather be a shark in a small pond. That was like one of his famous things that he he just said, and he's very pro New Japan, much like Tanahashi. But he's not in a small pond, though. I mean, there's a lot of sharks in fucking New Japan. He was talking about the entire wrestling world. Oh, at the time, gotcha. uh, because they were asking about like, would you go to WWE? Would you do this? And he was like, I'd rather be a a, um, a big shark in a small pond, to some extent. He was he was also kind of being heel at the time, but it was a great quote. Uh, I don't know, man. God. I mean, why would he go to AEW is the actual question. WWE would pay him so much more money. Because WWE wouldn't allow him still to work with New Japan. They'd want him out of that contract and just under WWE completely. And he would lose from his one of his one of his close friends is in there diminished to what Shinsuke Nakamura is now diminished to. Do you think he'd really want to go over there after his experience in Impact? You know, even though it's a WWE, he probably wants creative freedom, I would assume. I mean, considering what's going on with, you know, <laughs> Kenny Omega, I don't necessarily know that he wants to go into the booking nightmare that might be AEW if that match but, comes up. 
I agree with you, but that seems like it's Kenny's decision to put him in that type of position. And he's still a tag team champion, and they look like they're going to flip him now in a direction that people want. At least that's what they're implying. So I don't know. Yeah, I I, I don't I think just, they would. I don't think they would bat, book fucking Okada bad. I I doubt. I God, I would hope that wouldn't happen. It, it would be impossible to book Okada bad. But if you're like. If you're like, we'll give you John Moxley for three months, and then uh, Chris Jericho will go over there for a couple appearances. Let's just let's let Okada have a program on American television with Kenny Omega in front of everyone, building up to a pay per view or some shit. What? It, okay, so let me play devil's advocate. Okay. What if what if uh, Vince McMahon's like you win the Royal Rumble? If I just don't know what what's Okada's contract like with new japan I, I would assume that he's signed for a couple of years i would assume so but he's the new japan's not gonna let him just go to AEW unless they work out some kind of deal where they're trans well yeah that that's what i'm pre- that's what i'm you know oh that's where you're poking at i thought you just yeah when he's done trade with trade moxley for him you know no 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 not when he's done with his contract new japan gives them to him for a couple months while they take you know two guys that work with them one of them has a like i, I still think it's crazy that Moxley's still the the champion. I have I don't know why they haven't taken that back, but well, I mean, well, COVID, he can't even yeah. get to New Japan or, or he can't even get to Japan right now. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. So, like, I mean, I'm sure if if everything was normal, he would have been on the Dominion card or in this tournament. That's a good point because he seems super happy about wrestling there, and it. He's completely different when he wrestles in Japan than here. He even wear he even wears different fucking ring gear. It's like two oh. different Moxleys. I would love to see Moxley show back up in Japan, and I'd love to see Okada on American television. I, I think we would we would all love Okada to show up just one time and hit a Rainmaker on John Cena or Kenny Omega uh, yeah. or Cody Rhodes in the middle of an American ring. We would love that. It would be pretty awesome. Or just, if he could Rainmaker, like, The Rock during a Rock promo, and we get The Rock versus Okada. Rock's a big fan of his, and Okada's, you know... (laughs) A big fan of The Rock. That would be awesome. Get on it, WWE. Pay this man his money. (laughs) Pay him some shit, damn it. But, uh, all right, well, let's let's travel, Chris, to... uh, Do you want to travel to Monday Night Raw land? I mean, I'd, I would rather travel to the fantasy land where, you know, The Rock and Okada are fighting. But let's go to Monday Night Raw. <laughs> All right. Monday Night Raw. Um, so this was the go-home show, obviously, for Extreme Rules, the uh, horror show, uh, which I'm hoping that it's not going to be a horror show in a very negative way. But uh, we had MVP uh, call out, uh, you know, having his uh, little segment, calling out Drew McIntyre. Or no, no, no. Uh, calling out the person going against Drew McIntyre for the WWE Championship, Dolph Ziggler. Um, and, uh, you know, they're just trying to hype it. Ziggler's talking a bunch of shit, talking about why he brought Heath Slater, how he basically, you know, taking credit for Drew starting off uh, with everything. And Drew wasn't happy about this. Um, he got out there. You know, and he, he basically said that he apologized for interrupting a little ask kissing uh, session between the two of them and, uh, you know, kind of threatened MVP. He's already claimed more of the shit out of him and just, you know, went after Ziggler. 
Uh, and apparently he said that, that Ziggler will beg Drew to stop. But Drew said he's going to torture Ziggler, making him regret the day he picked up the phone to call Drew to come back to, to uh, Monday Night Raw. Uh, Drew says whatever happens on Sunday is on Dolph. Drew says he can't wait on Sunday or he can't wait until Sunday. He needs some action right now. Crowd cheers. Ziggler speaks, but Drew immediately drops him with a big right hand to the mouth. Drew warns MVP and backs, backs him off. Drew yells a warning at Ziggler. While he's down on the mat, then exits the ring and his music hits. McIntyre taunts Ziggler and MVP from ringside again before heading to the back. So that was how they started it. I think we've said this a million times. We don't care. You know, this is going to be a good match. But Dolph is just a placeholder of a position. He's the good worker that, you know, can go in there and put on matches uh at least to get over the other guy sell a bunch uh you know take an ass whooping and just kind of i guess elevate true i don't think it's much of an elevation i think we're both on that i thought it was funny that the rock was commenting on instagram about you know that picture wwe put out of what if it had uh dolph with the championship and the rock said i think that he is um he's great in the ring and he'd be a great champion i'm, I'm kind of generalizing the concept and drew mcintyre said it doesn't matter what you think so I thought that was pretty good on Drew. Um, I actually like that interaction with Drew, and there was nothing wrong with his promo, but I just I can't get that into this, Chris. You know, we know Dolph's gonna lose, and if for some fucking reason he were to win, I think everyone would be pissed off. So it's like it's not a good situation either way. They could put off a great match. I'm not saying that they couldn't. We've both said that, but in the end, should fans really care about this? Are you ready for the bold prediction? Haven't done one in a while. Okay, what is it? Lesnar fucks up Drew McIntyre. Dolph Ziggler is your champion. If they do it that way, though, I don't have a problem with it. Because then they there's reasoning. Drew can get it back. Dolph can be a fucking swarmy heel. And you have Brock back to build up him and Drew for, you know, without the title. That's good, but I don't have enough credit for them to do that. I look at the ratings that are bringing Brock back. And if, if people don't realize that Brock's a huge deal, look at the ratings. 1.5 million viewers. <laughs> if Brock is coming back, I, I think Suplex City. <laughs> that That is my go-to. Drew McIntyre is getting suplexed through some shit. Now, he may come out, you know, later down the road in this feud that they're having as the top top guy or whatever, but I, I, for some reason, I feel like they are going to put the title on Dolph. And it's not just the rock picture with Dolph with the title. I mean, Dolph's held the title before. It's not like the first time he's ever won the title or anything. No. But him as a swarmy heel with MVP as a manager, like, they could get those guys together. He could hold it for a while. You can get Kevin Owens involved, Seth Rollins. There's other stuff that you can do with that, and your top feud still be Drew McIntyre versus this fucking monster that wants to destroy him, which is Brock Lesnar. And when WWE needs ratings on Raw, guess who they bring back? Brock Lesnar. <laughs> so, see, you know, and I, I think that your approach makes a lot of sense. You know, the whole break the glass uh, in case of emergency sort of fucking thing. But the rumors that Dave was talking about, and this could be completely out the window. Or maybe they'll apply the Brock Lesnar concept at SummerSlam, is that he Drew's going to beat uh, Dolph, and then Randy was going to beat Big Show, and the next feud would be Randy Orton versus Drew McIntyre at SummerSlam for the title, 
And then your scenario, maybe bringing Brock in there to fuck over Drew, which I don't think Randy needs a fucking championship again. But, you know, I could see them going that way as well. Randy is not going to draw more viewers. Then, then Brock, like if you do that, if you you have Randy screw Drew over, I mean it's the same feud, right? You just replacing one. Well, no, no, I'm not. I'm, 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 I'm saying, Dolph and Drew. Drew beats Dolph, goes on to you know a program with Randy. They build up SummerSlam for the title, and then Brock comes out at SummerSlam and fucks over Drew with Randy as champion, and then someone can take off the belt from him, I guess, after that. Is that a bigger match than Brock versus Drew, though, at SummerSlam? No, uh, not necessarily, but is Randy Orton seems like a better person to put the belt on than Dolph Ziggler. Yeah, but, I mean, Dolph can just drop it at SummerSlam, or he could drop it the next week. The, the belt in WWE is a prop to me it doesn't it doesn't mean anything. the only belts that meant anything is when it new day held it for 400 and some days because they flipped their titles so much i mean like literally they had a character turn a title into the necronomicon and another character turn the belt into like a beaded necklace so <laughs> at this point with wwe's belts they don't really mean anything it's more about the feud and the people involved and i i don't necessarily know that i much care for Randy becoming a 14-time champion and having a match at SummerSlam. I'm just going by the rumors that I heard, sir. You know? I know. I will. They they should listen to me and and, and stop doing whatever they're doing. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, next, uh, uh, Charlie Caruso was backstage drooling over Angel Garza again with Selena Vega and Andrade. Uh, she talked about the dissension that possibly was in the group. Vega put it in her place. Uh, she drags about uh, her team uh, teaming with Randy Orton the week previous and putting fear into the Viking Raiders. Uh, so they're positioning. Um, it seems like they're going to try to get Andrade and Angel Garza against the Street Profits against the Viking Raiders at some point is what I'm assuming from all this for the belts. Uh, Garza and Andrade interrupted and they're confident about beating the Viking Raiders tonight and moving on. Then going on to win, uh, Eric and Ivar uh, walk up. They're going to run through Andrade and Garza tonight as backup for some of their recent actions. Ivar snatches the rose from Garza's hand and gives it to uh, Charlie Caruso. She blushes and thanks him. I don't get that fucking bullshit. The Vikings walk off, uh, leaving the heels upset. So, yeah, that, that just later on, you know, in the night, we're going to get a match with the Viking Raiders. And, um... The Viking Raiders have been destroyed, Chris, to me. I mean, they had they I think that they were way better set in New Japan obviously. And then also and I I liked them in NXT, but now this whole entire goofy gimmick, you could have had a team that was very similar to Demolition or the Road Warriors, just two guys scrappy. I know that we said or that you said actually that that didn't work out for them when they were doing the dominant concept, but I don't think they tried it long enough and I don't think this babyface or this overly babyface shit where, for some reason, everyone loves uh, the goofy one. I don't know. None of this is fucking working for me. And obviously, they were just there to lose. So, Well, I mean, Ivar is their new... Um, God, I can't think of the SmackDown. Oh, yeah! Oh, yeah! yeah that's... He still has the Money in the Bank thing. Everyone's forgetting about that, which is usually on purpose. Well, no, but like uh, Kevin Dunn... 
did that, we'll put that in quotations because I feel like, you know, he just got himself over. But he's going to be like, we can just do the same thing with Ivar. That's what I think is happening <laughs> with this. Um, we'll make him goofy. And then people will be like, we love the befuddling big idiot. And it's like, yeah, but, like, you can't have two on different shows. Like, I, I don't know. But that's how I felt. I, I don't know. With the rose, and then they did the sing-along in a car, and they did all the Street Profits shit. It's, I don't know. This team used to be called War Machine, and they used to fuck people up, Dane. Yeah. <laughs> like, legitimately murder people in the ring, and their name was War Machine. How do you ruin this tag team? You got Demolition, you got the Road Warriors, you got War Machine. Like, how? <laughs> I don't... Because they're somewhat PG and gotta take the war out of the fucking War Machine. You can't say war, but you can say Viking Raiders. Or what? You know what killed them? They named them the Viking Experience for two weeks. It had them wrestle job guys. That's what killed them. My my thing was never them squashing people. Like, them squashing people and demolishing. Like, they should have been doing that. But the name, like, Viking Experience or Viking Raiders Terrible. or whatever, is it's, it's awful. Like, they might as well just called them I, Ivar and I can't even think of the other dude's name. Because I'm so dis... It's not that they're bad wrestlers, which sucks. Because, like, if they went anywhere else in the world and they were fucking War Machine, we'd be like, fucking War Machine's pretty good. <laughs> it's just so sad. Eric and Ivar, man. What the fuck? <sighs> I mean, sorry to bury the show right off the rip, but fuck. With well, the this- next match was a good tag team match. They had an elimination uh, grudge match. Um tag for with the Viking Raiders and Angel Garza and Andrade. Basically, the breakdown, and thank you um, WrestlingInc.com for your breakdowns. Uh, back from the break, and the Viking Raiders are out for tonight's elimination uh, match. Eric and Ivar against Angel Garza and Andrade uh, with Zelina Vega. Uh, the bell rings, and Andrade and Vega attack their opponents to start hitting them when they're not ready. Vega cheers them on the ringside. Uh, I think it was supposed to be Andrade and, and Garza, but whatever the fuck. Garza rips off his pants early on, but misses Ivar with the following up shot. Eric comes in. Don't you – before we go through the rest of this, there was a spot that Angel Garza <laughs> did in, in NXT where it was like a distraction spot where he ripped off his pants. And now he's just doing it just to throw at the enemy or some shit. And it's like I guess – I guess – Vince didn't get the kind of Rick Rudish concept with it, like how. But they're not doing that. They're they're just. I, I, what's the point of him fucking ripping off his pants anymore? Are you telling me that WWE is ruin ruining Latin superstars? Oh God. They've been trying to make a new Eddie Guerrero or a new Rey Mysterio for like 15 years, and they fucking suck at it. They had Golden Gooses in Andrade. And Angel Garza, and they're probably gonna fuck up Santos too, Escobar, they had which Mystico we'll get to <laughs> as well at one point. <laughs> I don't. Yes, they're bad. <laughs> and yes, it was way better when it was on NXT, which will be the same thing with Esco, uh, was it Escobar Santos. Yes, it'll be the same thing with him. They just they can't fucking book. I whenever it's a Hispanic superstar. They can't fucking book them. I, I don't know. Is it like, is it some sort of like Vince McMahon blind racism or something? Like, I have no fucking idea. I mean, Eddie got himself over. Ray got himself over. It's going to take one of these guys to get their fucking selves over. Like Daniel Bryan style. 
at this point for there ever to be another Latin American star in WWE and unless Vince dies because apparently he fucking sucks at it. He's had like a good run of very good superstars that could be that person. Like even Kalisto, you could have had like a, a like a very big cruiserweight style. Then we get Lucha House Party. I mean, not to try to like bring this shit down, but like, are you fucking? St- this is the best thing you could come up with, Angel Garza. You should have just kept him in the cruiserweight division. Oh, and how about Grand Metalik? I don't know how many times Daniel Bryan and other wrestlers have hyped him as being one of the best wrestlers from Mexico, and he's been a joke ever since fucking being a part of it. It's it's terrible, dude. It's it's very unfortunate. I thought when they brought Andrade up, I was like, okay, he's a nut. He's like the Alberto Del Rio size. He's got Selena Vega as a manager. He's dating Charlotte. I thought that's the guy. That is gonna be the the guy that they're gonna push to that next spot. And they're like, I don't know, fucking like, I guess you know, U.S. title. Here you go. <laughs> like, shit. So bad. So bad day. Yeah. Uh, all right. So the rest of the breakdown. So more back and forth between the two teams. Garza super kicks Eric. And in comes Andrade. Andrade hits a running double knees. And Garza drop kicks Ivar off the apron. Andrade follows up and hits the hammerlock DDT to Eric for the pin. Eric is now eliminated. Uh, back from the break, it's just Ivar versus the two of them. Ivar goes for a big dive, but it backfires. Garza and Andrade are distracted with their issues at ringside. They're arguing again. Uh, allowing Ivar to run the ropes and nail a huge suicide dive for a big old pop from the 20 people that were there. Ivar brings it back in, but Garza goes for a roll-up for a two-count. Garza with a drop kick to the face. Ivar counters uh, out of the corner and drops Garza with a huge right hand. Andrade is still dazed outside. Garza, uh, Garza slides out of a powerbomb from Ivar, but comes back, and uh, Ivar levels him with a huge clothesline. Andrade tags in, but Ivar drops them both. Ivar covers Andrade for the win. Um, Andrade has been eliminated. So now it's just down to Angel Garza and Ivar. And Garza, basically, he wins. I'm just going fucking through this goddamn thing. Um, yeah, Angel Garza won the match. I'm not he, – he won it. It, was, it, was, it wasn't a bad tag match. I don't remember that much details except for the stuff presented. But after the match, Garza goes to the ringside and receives – a show of respect from Andrade as Vega looks smiling. Their music hits as uh, they show the replays. Vega and her crew stand tall together on the ramp, raising their arms in the air. They're uh, they're they're positioning this that Angels and Andrade are gonna you know turn on each other. But when the fuck are they gonna pull the trigger? I don't know. They're the new Bailey and Sasha. I was actually about to say basically that. this is the new Bailey and Sasha. They've been dragging this shit out for like four months. Where, like, Mr. I'm going to steal your girl, Angel Garza, is hitting on everyone. Selena's like, oh, I love you so much. And then they just have a match, and that's it. Pretty good. Yep. Uh, This match was, ring work-wise, was pretty good. But I didn't care about it at all. And that's the thing about professional wrestling is you can... And it's been said a million times. It's it's the reason why The Rock versus Hulk Hogan is a great match, and they don't do a hell of a lot. It's because you have to have something behind the fucking feud for us to care, even if you just present us good ring work. It's not going to work out that well. It's got to be both. It can't be just one or the other. Yeah, and, and is Angel Garza and Andrade actually a tag team, or, or are they singles wrestlers? Because one yeah. was just holding a singles title like a month ago. 
or what it, like what the fuck is going on and then also what Austin Theory was in there uh, I'm not even I'm not even trying to shit all over their booking but <laughs> I'm going to shit all over their booking <laughs> I think it's deserving you know <laughs> like, I don't understand how you screw up Andrade. I really don't. I thought he was so great in NXT. Even the the moment he started when he was doing the I partied too hard and that's why I lost the match. And then he started taking awesome. it seriously. And then he got a manager and started taking it even more seriously. They had Selena Vega doing Frankensteiners and all sorts of cool shit. He gets in the main roster. They throw him in a tag team. Doesn't work. They split all that up. And now he's just a dude. He is just a dude. Yeah. And... If he went anywhere else in the world, if he went to AAA, he would not be just a dude. I can guarantee no, you that. <laughs> El Sombrero was huge, basically, in AAA. And, and uh, what you call it, the other one? Um, why why am I thinking CMT? That's fucking the country music station. What's the other CML. big Mexican promotion? CML. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and he was, he was one of the founding members of fucking LIJ. Or not, just Los Cinco Robinables. Not the Japanese division that he brought Naito in there, so it's just it's weird where it's gone. And uh, yeah, I loved him in NXT, and I, I liked him when he first popped up on WWE. They just they did this to Shinsuke, they do this to a lot of people where it's like, yeah, we'll give you the U.S. belt, or and it's like it's totally devalued anyways at that point. So who gives a shit? You know, well, it's I mean, just, at this point, I can't even blame Shinsuke for just phoning it in because if he knew what Andrade's storyline is going to be. And his storyline was going to be, I'd phone that shit in too. Yeah, it's it's annoying. Well, this next part I actually kind of did like because we finally fucking got Bianca Belair back a part of the main roster. Uh, you know, Billy Kay and Peyton Royce, they they whooped or both of them I think have beaten Ruby Riot because they don't give a shit about Ruby Riot. Uh, and they started talking crap to her. And, you know, she couldn't find a tag partner or anything like that. And she was like, no, I do have a tag partner. And B- Bianca Belair came out, cut on both of them. Um, just, you know, talking shit about the Iconics. They had a match. And basically, there's Ruby Riot getting her ass kicked. She makes a hot tag to Bianca. Bianca whoops both of their asses. And then after the match, you know, they're kind of regrouping and bitching at, you know, outside the ring that they had lost. And Bianca and Ruby Riot uh, stand tall. I don't think they're going to position her with Ruby Riot. I just think that this was a good way to bring her back. You know, she looks strong, and I want to see her within that women's division. Uh, so it will be fun to see what they do with Bianca. But they'll probably fuck it up because, unfortunately, that's the way they do it. They should have promoted the fact that Bianca was going to show up and that Shayna was going to show up on this show, and then maybe their ratings wouldn't have been as bad. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, but Bianca's great. I'm glad to see her off main event. I'm glad to see they did not immediately just shove her back into Street Profit Land. So yeah. I'm kind of excited. They need a they need a gap there. I mean, there's a big gap for me in both women's divisions. You have like your top two, and then there's just kind of everyone else. And Bianca is the person that could definitely shake that up with Shayna coming back. That I mean, that's interesting. Charlotte's there, right on Raw, so. All that shit's exciting. I wish they didn't always treat Ruby Riot as an afterthought. Me too. Because I think she, I think she's pretty good. I mean, she had an injury. Sorry, Vince. Sometimes people tear their knees working for your company 320 days a year. 
whatever. <laughs> but uh, I, outside of that, like, I kind of like this segment. How, how did you feel about this segment? I, I mean, I thought it was pretty good. Yeah, um, I, I I liked it. I uh, like I said, it's it's good to have Bianca back. Honestly, that's the main thing. But like, it is kind of discouraging with many people, and we've talked about that. But Ruby Riot is, I I feel like, you know, you you take her, you put her back at NXT, you don't fucking change her pay of whatever she's making and digress it, uh, and put her in a tag team with Shotzi Blackheart or just putting her back in that women's division. She's a very efficient wrestler. She's a badass. She has a cool look. And they just, like you said, she's an afterthought. That's the only thing. Yeah. I, I mean, if they cared about their tag division, they could do something cool like that. But then yeah, she kind of had a group to begin with. <laughs> they just broke up and gave different gimmicks to and then fired one of them. So, like, I don't... Like, uh, didn't she have a group where Paige was the manager at some point? Or am I just mixing up No, two... that's... Paige uh, was the manager for the Iconics, I believe. She was in a group with uh, Sarah Logan and um, she was the leader and uh, what the fuck's her name? The Blonde. I mean, if I'm in XT and they try to do that at this point, I'd be like, we're protecting Shotzi Blackheart because you've already ruined this Fucked person. Up. Yep. Yeah, because, I mean, they are that, that I don't want to call it, like what alt-rock kind of tank girl gimmick. And, and that's not an insult, but that is kind of what they're going for. They're going for like a punk rock kind of girl. Like, yeah, Brody Armstrong style type of female that is a very badass. In the Drives ring. tanks over Robbie E. Well, that I mean, Shotzi is just Tank Girl, but Ruby Riot was going more for like a Brody Armstrong, I would think, right? <laughs> like just a yeah. tough ass punk rock chick. Putting them together to me is like uh, is not necessarily the best idea if they don't care about their tag division. If they cared about their tag division, they could make a lot of really really good ass tag teams. All they have to do is have Sasha and Bailey eventually drop it to a t- team on NXT and use their women. For tag division, they've already made these two two pairings in NXT. It's like, what the fuck's the point? And they could put on great matches with the titles since Raw and SmackDown don't know what the fuck to do with those titles. Plus, so, you could like make Robbie E a your Jim Cornette, but for the female tag division. I love that. I think that would which, be great. Which would be great. Where he just like he's like, where the look, fuck is Chelsea Green? I don't know. Put her in a tag team and have Robbie E manage it and. Yeah, you just do Midnight Express matches. Everyone loves a good Midnight Express match. <laughs> he hits them with a racket. It's Except all good. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah. God damn. Except right. Robbie, Robbie is pretty fuck. They need to do something with this guy. We'll talk about this later, but fucking, they need to do more than what they did with him on so far on NXT. He's awesome. Yep, I agree. All right, so we had the 27 um, uh, champion, our truth, greeting both uh, Ricochet and Cedric Alexander. Uh, you know, they're talking back and forth. Lashley, uh, Bobby Lashley will be facing Ricochet later on. I, I think that's what they were saying. Um, I'm winning. Anyways, so basically this happens where Akira Tozawa comes with his ninjas and threatens our uh, truth And then he's backed up. <sighs> Jesus fucking Christ. He's backed up by Ricochet and Cedric, and Ricochet is doing a crane kick, Karate Kid style. I just don't know how I feel about any of this shit. And we have Ricochet that's going to cut a promo. Akira Tozawa challenges him. Go to commercial. We have Akira Tozawa versus R-Truth. Within 
you know, two minutes, it's taken out. Shayna Baszler comes out and fucking rips through the ninjas and also Akira Tozawa and, you know, takes the mic. Uh, well, no, no, she first um, – Oh, no, no, that's right. Our truth was like, I'll let myself out of the ring and get the hell out of there before she would beat the shit out of him. So Baszler takes the mic. She says she's been so patient. She's allowed everyone here to, to uh, have their fun, but she is done with it. Baszler says all these weak-minded women's uh, champions are running around fooling themselves with disillusions that they are under control, that their limbs and terror left in Baszler's wake our distant memory, Baszler is back to shatter that illusion by hitting everyone with a hard dose of reality. And she is the reality. And then her music hits. I think that she did fine. The dialogue that they fucking give people sometimes is so unnecessary of the wording. It sounds so out of place. And I really think that Shayna could use a mouthpiece. I really think that she could use a manager to come out and talk shit for her. I don't know how Heyman's doing with them. But that's like this type of person that I'm thinking of to let her be the fucking heavy that's beating people up. Because she she does remind me of Brock in that sense. You know, remember when Brock – well, Brock's still like this. He doesn't have the most intimidating voice. When you give him the mic, it's a lot different than what you would think would come out of his mouth. You know, it's, it's much more high-pitched and stuff. And I think that and the fact that he wasn't the greatest with promos, he, he just kind of came off like super intimidating just talk shit. That's why Heyman was paired with him to begin with. Get her someone to talk, and if you're going to give her dialogue to say, have it like something that a fucking person would fucking say. But everything else, I liked her coming out here. I liked her beating everyone's ass. It makes me think that maybe they've turned around on her or they're trying to rebuild her, which I think that the Raw women's you know, division could use both Bianca Belair and Shayna Baszler a part of it. What do you think, Chris? I think that you pick a number one contender and you pick the title belt and then your dialogue for Shayna Baszler is like, I'm going to rip her fucking arm off and I'm going to beat the champion to death with it. And that's all she says. And it just fucking leaves. And if not, you're a hundred percent right. She should have a mouthpiece. (laughs) There doesn't need to be more said than that (laughs) for what that character is. I mean, that's what, that's what makes Brock, when Brock does talk in one of those vignettes or promos, he's like, oh, yeah, I'm going to murder this dude. That's all <laughs> That's all you really need from that type of character. Like, I don't need her explaining why. Like, it's not that character. Like, I, You I, won't I, be the wake of a distant memory and disillusion. Like, what the, who the fuck says it? Sounds like something Matt Hardy would say is Broken Matt Hardy. <laughs> yeah, well, that, I think that maybe Broken Mar- Matt, all of Broken Matt Hardy's promos are just written off bad WWE promos. And he just shoves <laughs> them all together. Yes! <laughs> yes. Oh, God. But, I mean, like, you get what I'm saying, though. Like, yeah. You, who's the number one contender right now? No one. I don't think. All right. I'll just give an example. Say Nia is the number one contender. Shayna should come out and say, I'm going to rip Nia's arm off and beat the shit out of Asuka with it. And then just drop the mic and leave after she demolishes three people. It's that easy. <laughs> like, that is the character. <laughs> she doesn't need an explanation of who she is. She's an ass beater. She's way better on Twitter. She shit on this kid. She's like, Shayna Baszler is the ugliest person on the WWE roster or ugliest female on the WWE roster. And he's like, she was like, that's cool. I still pull more tail than you. And I'm a former champion. 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like, that's the kind of shit she should be saying, not the, I'm disillusioned by the events that have happened. I don't know why I went to a Hank Hill voice, but you get what I'm You were on the God same page. Damn it, Bobby. God damn it, WWE. <laughs> that Put company ain't right. bullshit. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> well, what? yes. Definitely check out Shayna Baszler's uh, Twitter where she roasts that guy. Shout out Fucking to Shayna awesome. She's awesome. Fucking awesome. All right, so we went to a Rey Mysterio, uh, the whole pre- presentation of the eye-to-eye, or eye-for-an-eye match that they're doing tomorrow. Uh, Jesus, with Seth Rollins. And uh, Murphy's in the back, and it's just so weird how they try to approach this. Like, the, I know it's pro wrestling. I get that. But why would a guy be standing in a fucking corner and people are just you know, shooting a camera at him. Like, it just, it's so awkward sometimes. But, um, Rollins comes up and asks him what's bothering him. Murphy asks if someone is really going to lose an eye at Extreme Rules. Rollins wants Murphy to remember that nothing of significance happens without sacrifice. And remember, Ray asked for this. Rollins tells Murphy to stay backstage and focus on his match with Aleister Black, but he has a message to deliver. Rollins walks off and goes to commercial. Um... And we have Seth Rollins in the ring. Rollins rants on the eye for an eye match with Rey Mysterio at Extreme Rules. Rollins never wanted to hurt Rey, but Bray or but Rey really wants to take his eye out. Rollins can't believe it, and how something like this is being sanctioned in WWE. He goes on and says Rey will never see Dominic wrestle his family or see the sunrise or set. Rollins believes this will be the new beginning for Raw. And he is suddenly interrupted by Kevin Owens making his way out. Owens says he's sorry to interrupt, but no, he's not. Uh, he runs Rollins down on the mic and says he's scum for making a guy like Ray want to gouge his eye out. Owens understands where Ray is coming from because he was ready to end his own career at WrestleMania 36 at the men's shutting up Rollins. Owens is in the ring now. Uh, Owens taunts uh, Rollins and jokes that he's friends with a pirate named Jean-Pierre Lafitte, which is PCO. And he gave Owens an eye patch for Rollins to use uh, after Sunday's match. Rollins isn't, isn't happy about it. Rollins says Owens must think that he's funny, but Owens won't be able to make it to their match tonight. Rollins calls Murphy out to help him, and uh, he comes out. Music hits, and out comes Aleister Black to even the odds, and a brawl breaks. Uh, at ringside, we go to commercial. So before we go to the Aleister Black-Murphy match, I like I keep on saying, it's it's not. I think Seth's doing better and better with this character, and he's convincing. It's just, I don't care like as much about him as a cult leader. Uh, I think that it's better when he turns on the devious or goes crazy, like when he's actually wrenching Ray's eye into the freaking step or... You know, that side of it I like, but this calm cult leader concept, and he only has one follower now, the Austin Theory's not even there. I love Kevin Owens, though, uh, and I'm so happy, and we'll talk about it, how he got the win at the end of it. Although, although I don't know how that helps Seth going into this match with Rey Mysterio, but there was interference. So, um, how did you like the buildup before the match between Buddy Murphy and Aleister Black? Oh, man, so much to say. Is Seth Rollins in, uh, escaping from New York? He's going to have an eye patch, right? That's what they're going for. I guess Sol- so. He's Solid Snake. 
Does that so, mean that Rob, that Roman needs to eventually have an eye patch since the other two members of the Shield have? <laughs> yeah, WWE saw this and like, we should put an eye patch on set. We're gonna get eye patches on all the Shield members. Fuck you, Moxley. It's like they expect you to forget that Becky retired because she's has a baby in her belly that belongs to Seth. Do you remember that storyline? Like a month ago. Do <laughs> you think that she would be concerned if we have like a semi-pregnant, you know, Becky coming on like a call, like you know, all worried about what's going on with Seth? That would probably help the situation, though. It really you know? would, especially if she's like, "Look, I know, like." Once you get in this wrestling mode, once you get into this mindset, I can't deal with you. Like something where she's very concerned, that would be personable, and people could relate to that. Because, like, everyone has a very competitive moment in their life. But just like, I don't know, if Rey Mysterio rips his eye out, I guess I just have a one-eyed father-husband. It'd be a great (laughs) turkey. That was a terrible Irish accent. (laughs) Um. Kevin Owens' promo was way better than that Ring of Honor promo I sent you earlier, so he's no longer Bret Hart. <laughs> That's good. Uh, I don't know, man. Like, what what are they doing? What is the end goal to this, Dane? Please, you know how like, uh, can you be my Dave Meltzer and I can be the Brian Alvarez for a second, Dave? Please explain to me what this story so is. So if you try to if you try to understand the uh, the storyline, sorry, I interrupted you, Brian. Um, <laughs> what chapter real? In all actuality, <laughs> I don't know, man. I have no fucking clue. I I guess, like I said, there is a concept that would be very interesting if they try to imply that Ray's one of his eyes is fucked up, and then Seth, I guess, plucks the other one out. And really, if, if this is the actuality that Ray's eventually leaving once his contract's up in, like, two months, whatever. And then Ray miraculously can still, like, daredevil it and just put, like, the black mesh like he has on one side on both sides of his eyes on his mask. And we're supposed to believe that he's doing these matches blind. Who fucking cares? I mean, at this goddamn point, I have no idea. Just uh, the, So I, I have a very Mid-South answer to this. Give it to me. Which is... You got the Ray versus Seth match. Someone's going to lose an eye. Dominic somehow fucks over Seth and scoops his eye out with a spoon. (laughs) And then now you have Ray versus Dominic where he's like, you shouldn't have done that. That's not how we are. You have the perfect baby face versus the hill tilted son. He's like, but you don't understand what he's done to you. And then you feud with Dominic and Rey Mysterio, and you don't give a shit about Seth. And Seth gets to wear a cool-ass eye patch and be, you know, Kurt Russell. Here's the problem with this whole concept, though. <laughs> All right. Ray's not Ray. signed. <laughs> Ray's not signed. That's another, that's another good fucking point. But so if Ray's, like, leaving and this is just his out and they're going to fuck him over on the way out or pluck his eye, other eye out – that would make sense or maybe try a blind angle or whatever but if he's re-signed or if it's seth who gets his eye plucked eventually you're gonna have a point where it's like i don't want the fucking wrestler having to fucking just keep on doing every goddamn match with one eye so what are you gonna do his eye just miraculously healed like what are they I thinking mean, well they i mean stan hansen wrestled with no eyes for a long ass time so it should be okay i mean what are they thinking <laughs> You know, Seth would be a lot cooler with a fucking eye patch, and he puts the blonde streaks back in. So he could just wrestle the rest of his career like that and then sell it. Like, think the prestige. Maybe he pokes his own eye out. 
It just it like, you know, doesn't wouldn't that mess up his his uh, Seth's a high flyer, so like that ha- that would have to me- mess with his depth perception. Like to have to yeah. wear that every single time. I mean, they definitely would tell him not to do any more buckle bombs. Oh wait, he had two eyes for that. Um. Ah. <laughs> 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 uh, oh God. Well, you know, I mean, probably, but just don't have him do as much shit. If you're changing his character completely, if he's Kurt Russell from like, or is it Kurt Russell from Escape from New York? Mm-hmm. If he's just doing that, just have him be a badass. Like fucking just twist people and fuck them up in the ring. Change his in-ring style. He doesn't need to be bumping as much as he is anyways. Honestly, at, at the point where, where he's at, I mean, I love seeing like really good-ass Seth Rollins flying all over the place, but he doesn't have to do that. And if he comes back with an eye patch and changes the style and he's just like a brute, like British Strong style or something, I think it's acceptable because he has an eye patch. And I guess I could give him, and who knows if, if Moxley had like some type of mesh eye patch that looked like it was eye patch, but you could actually see through it. You know, there's, I mean, I was, I would, I would, I would have to assume so. Right. Cause like some of those Lucha masks are completely covered eyes. Yep. Right? That's a good point. So, I mean, you could give, you could definitely give him a, a, but now he's stuck with it. Yeah. That's the only problem. Is if you don't <laughs> want to do that, ugh. it's and not even, like, all right, it's not like Terry Funk where you can just leave the territory and have your eye back. God. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, this did bring up a match between Murphy and Aleister Black. I'm not going to go too crazy into it, but um, interference with with Seth involved. These guys have always had great matches between the two of them. So it, it makes sense that you just go with the DQ. Uh, I guess because Rollins breaks up the pin, gets disqualified, and afterwards Owens goes for Rollins, but the music interrupts, and out comes Rey Mysterio and Dominic cornering Rollins, and Rollins and Murphy um, are cornered as we go back from a commercial. Seth Rollins versus Kevin Owens, which is promoted as the rematch from WrestleMania 36, and we have Rey Mysterio, Dominic, Aleister Black at ringside with Owens. Um, Murphy is also at ringside for for Rollins. Um, this match was awesome. These guys work really well together, uh, but I think this was probably the best match on Monday Night Raw. And one thing that they did, like I said, it didn't really help out Rollins going into this match with Rey Mysterio, but he is a big heel, and technically there are three other fucking people that are helping uh, and afterwards beat the living shit out of Seth. Um, but Kevin Owens wins and does not lose his match, so that was good, but... They work well together. I, I, I like it when uh, Owens and Rollins, I like their match at WrestleMania 36. Um, and, I mean, Owens uploads on Rollins from the start. Owens works Rollins around the ring and drops him out of the corner. Owens stomps away for a two count in the middle of the ring. Owens taunts Rollins, and Rollins starts pleading with him. Owens attacks Rollins anyway, beating him down in the corner. Owens ends up running uh, into a big boot in the corner. Uh, Black distracts Rollins from the floor, allowing Owens to drop him in the corner. Owens follows up with a big corner cannonball. Uh, Rollins kicks out at two. Owens rocks Rollins and takes him down to the mat, putting a knee to his back, more back and forth between the two. Owens ends up beating Rollins around the ringside, sending him into the barrier and talking a bunch of trash. Owens uh, stops Rollins from escaping uh, through the timekeeper's area. 
Owens brings it, uh, it back in, but uh, Rollins goes right back out. Uh, he's pulling a powder, man. Owens beats Rollins against the uh, the plexiglass barrier. Owens uh, tosses Rollins into the barrier. Again, as the crowd starts to pop, Owens restarts the account and goes for a splash off the apron. But Rollins cuts him off. They tangle on the apron, and uh, uh, Owens ends up dropping Rollins in the ring. Owens comes back through the ropes, but Rollins chops, blocks him. Owens goes back to the floor, and Owens nails a big suicide dive, sending Owens into the barrier. Rollins stands tall on the outside as the boss or as the booze pick up, while Mysterio, Dominic, and Black stare him down. Back to commercial. Uh, after the commercial, God, this is so fucking long. All right, I gotta stop. I gotta stop trying to attempt to do these breakdowns of the match, no, man. This takes yeah, six hours. Yes. So what happened is this was a shitty lumberjack match with two great in-ring workers, which didn't need a lumberjack match. We got like what four people at ringside for this fucking thing, Dane? Am I counting right? You got Dominic. You got uh, Murphy. You got uh, Ray. Who else was out there? There's got to be other people out there. Alistair Black. Alistair Black. Like, why the fuck are they out Dominic. there? To why? fuck with Rollins so all of them could beat the living shit out of him afterwards, basically. Okay, so and... Kevin Owens is a heel. <laughs> Rey Mysterio is a heel. <laughs> They're healing it on the heel. <laughs> so what should have happened is Kevin Owens is like, why the fuck are all these people out here? And gave all of them a stunner and left. And not even finished the match because it's not for a title. You can't book a shade of gray and then be like, yeah, all these people really hate Seth Rollins. I mean, it immediately points he's losing his eye and becoming a babyface tomorrow. That's that's what that match pointed to, is that he is getting ganged up on by other people, I guess. And he's going to lose his eye and be like, I need to be a father or something. That's what it pointed to to me. Uh are you asking – I mean, I guess, like, if people are wanting to know how good the match was. I mean, it was Seth Rollins and Kevin Owens. They're fucking good. <laughs> it was a good match. <laughs> but it was based around a bunch of fuckery that wasn't needed. <laughs> yep, and it basically ended afterwards with a stare down between Ray and Rollins. Uh, Rollins on the ramp with Murphy, all fucked up from the match, and Ray saying that he will see him at Extreme Rules for the Eye for an Eye match. Um Hey, there is one silver lining in all this, Chris. Even though he needed a bunch of fuckery for the win, at least, at least KO didn't, you know, just get beaten, I guess. <laughs> I don't understand. He should just be showing up and fucking all these people up. Like, if that's the guy. Like, he can't have four friends versus two heel friends. Baby faces never have friends. How did he show up with friends in WWE? This is so weird. It's like he's Dusty Rhodes in WCW or some shit. Like, the fuck is... Or WCCW, I should say, or whatever. Um, I don't know. Entirely weird. I will say this. Uh, the match itself was pretty good. I like Kevin Owens. I think this is weird. I do think that Ray will have the opportunity to scoop out Seth's eye. And he won't be able to do it, but then his son will step in and be like, hey, give me that eye, bro. <laughs> give me that motherfucking eye. <laughs> and then that would be your feud is Ray versus Dominic, which it, that might be how you re-sign uh, Ray Mysterio to a WWE contract. What I think should happen 
is that during the match Rey Mysterio, PCO should come out and beat the living hell out of Rollins and then take his eye and put it in his head. I mean, right. the honest answer is Kevin Owens should show up and give everyone a stunner and rip all their eyes out and then drink Canadian beer in the ring. Like, stop booking him as Stone Cold if he's not fucking Stone Cold. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah. <sighs> All right, so we have the big show backstage with WWE Hall of Famer Ric Flair. They both agree they need to talk. Flair talks about his history with the show and puts him over. Flair says show has lost focus. He can't do Hollywood and wrestle. This is why The Rock hasn't returned. And Big Show doesn't need uh, any of this. Flair says that show wants to be everything the world expects him to be, but people won't change their minds about him. Flair goes on and says show shouldn't go into the WWE Hall of Fame with an injury from messing with Randy Orton. Needs to be healthy when he when he goes in. There's more praise for Orton. Flair tells Show to give uh, uh to, to give that some thought. He's uh out of here, back to a good life. Flair walks off, but Show stops him. Show says he knows that Flair what Flair just tried to do, and what a type of master he is. Show wants Flair to do something for him. Show goes on about how good Orton is and says he has no empathy. Show says that uh, tonight Orton will face one of their friends, R-Truth. Show asks Flair if he's willing to give up his friendship so Orton can be the legend killer. And then it goes to a break. Back from the break, we have Randy Orton, um, like a package video of how he became the legend killer, going over all the people that he's taken out in the past. Orton's backstage. He talks about making friends in the business and having Big Show, Christian, and Edge, and Ric Flair. Uh, be his friend. He goes on about his history with Big Show and how Show took him under his wing, uh, showed him around the locker room and helped him out at the beginning. Orton isn't a f- uh, worried about a few fractured skulls ending their relationship. Orton looks to Flair as being like family, but it wouldn't be a shame if Flair did anything to jeopardize that. It would be a shame, I'm sorry. Uh, Orton goes on and talks about having respect for our truth which is why it will be a shame when all truth amounts to is another chapter in the history of the legend killer. Then Flair walks up uh, to greet Orton uh, and says, you know, we got the match tonight, champ, and like goes off. And Orton says he'll be right there. And then Orton stares at Ric Flair for a while and then stares at the camera for a while as it goes to commercial. So I think you're right about uh, Randy Orton's going to be dropping Ric Flair soon in the future, maybe after that Big Show match on Monday. Here's another fucking concept, Chris. So you've been building up Big Show versus Randy Orton, and you're not going to put it on the goddamn Extreme Rolls horror show, whatever the fuck, pay-per-view, and you're just putting on Monday night. At least they're promoting it, and it'll be a reason for people to tune into Monday night. But isn't that kind of lackluster, too, to have the Randy Orton Big Show blow off on the Raw after the pay-per-view? I mean, it's almost as lackluster as having Ric Flair to show up to promo for Randy Orton when he's been one of the best promos on your entire television network. That's a good point. Like, I, I, I don't know how to, to solve this. I mean, like, there's no more legends for him to punt. Is he going to punt his own dad? Like, who else can they bring in? Like, fucking is, like, Manny Fernandez going to show up? I mean, I guess he's <laughs> – is he going to get Rick? I mean, Rick is it, right? Like, this yeah. show, to me, is, like, what, he's in his 40s? Jericho was a former champion in the other company at this point. And, and it's not like fucking Orton's getting any younger. I mean, The Rock, that would be the one. 
Like, if you're going to do it, like, have Randy punt the rock, and that's the match you set up. Or punt, like, Austin, and then have a match between those two. I don't care about the storyline at all. I honestly don't. And in in the edge, the weird edge thing where now he's scared for his career again or whatever the fuck they're trying to do with that, it's all terrible. Yeah. Ugh. But I mean, he, well, ha- he he has to he has to punt Rick though. He he just has to. And then Triple H versus Orton at WrestleMania. Is that the build we're getting? I guess so. Uh, well, we had our truth and Randy Orton. Uh, next, uh, back from the break, and we go. Uh, out comes the twenty-four seven eleven champion, our truth, for a non-title match. Um, Wrapping his way to the ring. Next is Ric Flair. And he's out. Flair talks about Truth's history and says that that's why Randy Orton isn't going to punt him in the head um, or anything like that. It's just going to eventually be him getting the RKO and dropping for the one, two, three. Uh, Randy Orton's music hits. The bell rings and Truth uh, stalls some, still with his title around his waist. Uh, Truth goes uh, to talk to Flair, but Orton comes from behind. Truth uh, may have baited Orton in uh, as he goes for a scissor kick after hitting um, Orton in the stomach, but then Orton backs up uh, and goes for the RKO for the pin. After the match, Ric Flair hits the ring to celebrate with Orton as the music hits. We go to replays. Uh, Orton looks up to um, looks up to no good now. Oh, I'm sorry, fucking can't even read right now. Orton looks up to no good now. He mentions for Flair to step back as he stalks Truth while he's down. Orton backs up the punt Truth, but the music is interrupts by Big Show. Orton tells Show to stop walking to the ring or he will end Truth's career. Orton shows Show is angry and wants to break every bone in his body, but it hurt him more when he took out WWE Hall of Famer Edge and Christian. Uh, Big Show is fuming at ringside right now Orton laughs and says he hasn't even uh gone uh to punk kick truth the kick had show's name on it for next week instead Orton um proposes an unsanctioned match between the two next monday show yells out and accepts show goes after orton but orton retreats from the ramp show looks on from the ring as orton talks trash about ending show's uh career next week flair stands with orton on the ramp so that was for next Monday um, that, for their that match. Was, that was a match, <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Can, can we talk about how no one wants to see Big Show versus Randy Orton? That is going to be the slowest match of all time. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I mean, not to shit, like, I like Big Show and Randy Orton in separate situations, but those are, like, two, we've seen this before, and it's always terrible. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, so, basically, what happened next, uh, we had MVP and uh, Bobby Lashley, uh, they approached Ricochet and Cedric backstage, and uh, MVP went over the, what they were, you know, talking about last week, how Cedric's just basically the, the, uh, the sidekick to Ricochet. And they weren't having it. Um, Sarah Schreiber walked up for comments of the uh, the the basically the, the the two of them butting heads, if you will. Um, 
and MVP said that he's he's confident about his uh, game plan on Sunday. That Ricochet and Cedric were talking that you know Apollo's going to definitely beat him no, no matter what. He's going to show up. MVP isn't worried about Apollo Cruz and says that he and Lashley will be celebrating VIP style. See what he did there? At an undisclosed. Oh yeah, never mind. He's MVP, not VIP. God damn it. My brain's going, guys. This, this raw has been just wonderful and grueling to get through. So I apologize. Uh, but at an undisclosed location, they're going to go MV- or MVP style. Now I just said that. VIP style. Lashley is confident about tonight's match against Ricochet and hurting him, putting him in the trainer's room with injuries. MVP and Lashley walk off together. And then Schreiber runs over to catch up with uh, Drew McIntyre. She asks him about preparing for his match. When he doesn't know the stipulation, uh, Drew is trying to give Dolph Ziggler uh, a chance here. He goes on, but Ziggler attacks, and they brawl backstage as we go to commercial. Um, So, yeah, this is right before Ricochet goes against Bobby Lashley. Chris, Drew McIntyre, he gets attacked by Dolph Ziggler backstage. Does that excite you for this match more? (laughs) And also, how'd you like MVP and Bobby Lashley talking shit? And Lashley setting up for him against Ricochet. I like the Lashley segment. The rest of this I fucking hated. Also, what happened to Prince Puma? R.I.P. Prince Puma. I I heard he's with El Generico somewhere in Mexico. Yeah, no, it's Honduras. Honduras. The orphanage in Honduras. I mean, Sami Zayn knows how fucking white he looks, too, right? Trying to come off as a Mexican luchador. What a bunch of bullshit. He's not uh, Mexican. He's Honduras. Racist. Oh. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Definitely <laughs> mean it like that. Uh, uh, so yes, I, I, I would think that Sami Zayn knows how white he is at this point. Syrian? That was a rhetorical question, Chris. Thank you. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Uh, we, should, we should drag this out. But good news. Go to Sami Zayn's uh, Twitter yes. and Instagram page. He, he has done some big things for Syria, some mobile health trucks and stuff during his time off. So check that out and donate to his foundation because Sami Zayn's fucking awesome and what he is doing is fucking awesome. I'm going to be honest with you, friend. Um, I don't know if you can do anything about it, but it either sounds like there's a vacuum cleaner behind you or the city from Grand Theft Auto. So. Yeah, let me try real quick. Hold on. Okay, no problem. I'll break down this this wonderful match to give you some time. All right, guys. Back from the break. Here comes Bobby Lashley with MVP. And we have MVP going against Ricochet. The bell rings. Ricochet strikes. But Lashley takes in and doesn't do anything. No sells it. Lashley ends up taking out the leg on the apron, sending Ricochet face first into the apron. Lashley manhandles Ricochet some and launches him into a barrier. Um, while people boo at him, Lashley with more offense for the next few minutes. Lashley hits a big uh, dominator, but Ricochet still kicks out at two. He's, you know, basically kicking out of everything. Lashley works Ricochet over in the corner. Ricochet looks to get free, but Lashley hits a suplex for a two count. Uh, MVP Brantz at ringside as the crowd tries to rally. Ricochet uh, counters. And... Eventually, Ricochet flies uh, back into Lashley on accident with the no, no, he he flies into him with an elbow, but Lashley catches him in the air uh, with the full Nelson. Lashley ragdolls Ricochet for the win after the bell. Cedric hits the ring to make the save 
for Ricochet, but MVP gets involved. Cedric goes on and hits MVP with the neutralizer. Lashley grabs him from behind with the full Nelson. Lashley drives Cedric to the mat. We go to a replay with MVP and Lashley standing over Cedric and Ricochet. They exit up the ramp together, still ranting back at the ring. Um, so I'm wondering if Apollo's going to have some help or, or an opportunity to get some help if, if Lashley is there by Cedric and, and, and Ricochet tomorrow night is what I'm assuming, Chris. Um, how'd you like this match and what happened afterwards? So I guess I should start at the beginning in, in which Lashley was beating the champion and then Lana screwed it up. Am I confused on this, Dane? Yeah, uh, at one point. Uh, and they didn't never went back to that, actually. They just kind of just kept on going. Okay, because he was definitely beating the shit out and of now, Drew McIntyre. And so. now he is the muscle for MVP to get the U.S. championship. Totally makes sense. Uh, so I fucking hated this, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> hated it. <laughs> like, I don't know how else to put it. Like, this, you put this guy into the title picture. You gave him a good storyline where his manager, wife, fiance, whatever, Lana would be considered, right? Screwed him over for the title. Like, he had him beat. He lost the title because of her. And a very good match, which Drew McIntyre, like, carried the fucking thing. Um, but it was a very good match. I mean, for those guys. I mean, not for Drew, but for La- maybe the for best Lashley. Guys. Yeah, I get, maybe, I get what you're saying. Yeah, maybe the best Lashley match I've seen in a long-ass time. So, and then he just lost, and then he's good with it. It's fine. we got to put an MVP over. <laughs> like, weird. I hated it. I like MVP. I like Bobby Lashley. Uh, not necessarily his entering work, but I think he's okay in this scenario. They could have done more with him, so I hated this. Dane, how did you feel about this? Uh, ah, it affected me so much on different levels. Um, actually, I didn't really care, and I hated that Ricochet got destroyed and then Cedric got ex- destroyed. So, Like I said... I feel like they're going to come to the aid of, of uh, Apollo tomorrow night due to Bobby Lashley fucking around at ringside. So we'll probably have those hijinks. Maybe Shelton Benjamin will even the odds for the heels. I don't know. I don't really uh, care either. And Do you think, would... Rick, do you think Rick Shea should start his own wrestling brand? Like maybe do an all-in kind of thing with luchas? Sure, sure, why not try to call up his old friend will and see if he'll leave japan for that i'm sure he would not really um yeah god damn it we find out how many years are on his contract last year or last week no i don't think so it's hidden he doesn't want people to know because then wwe will know he wants to wait until it's like three months and then he'll be like oh yeah my contract's ending (laughs) So you can pull that Dean Ambrose. <laughs> All right, so we're almost done, Chris. Thank God. With Raw? Uh, thank God. Yes. Yes. Jesus. We haven't even gotten guys. We still have three more. Uh, so uh, you know what? If you listen to this, me, me and Chris apparently don't have lives, even though we do. But you know, we love talking about wrestling, and we love doing this for you. So if you gotta listen to this in segments, do whatever you gotta do. I work at a warehouse. I know other people probably are like me. You know, where or probably like Chris, where you get the 
he needs some type of listening thing. So if you want to cut away and come back or just go to getting past Raw, that's up to you. That is completely up to you. You can even stop before we go over SmackDown, too. I'm just kidding. Actually, I can't wait to talk about that AJ and uh, Matt Riddle match. That was pretty awesome. Bro. Um, bro. So good. All right, so Charlie's backstage with the Big Show. She asks about Randy Orton's uh, challenge for an unsanctioned match, and a furious Big Show confirms that he has accepted the match. And then um, probably, I mean, arguably, this this was a really good match, too. The the main event was the Kabuki Warriors versus Sasha Banks and Bayley for the Women's Tag Team Champions. And, of course, you know, Banks and Bayley won because uh, Banks uh, – Wait, what what happened exactly? So the last paragraph is probably all I need to read. So they had a good back-and-forth match. I'd definitely go and check it out. At the end of it, more back-and-forth uh, encounters between Banks and Asuka in the middle of the ring. Banks and Asuka work really well together, but they're on different brands, sort of. I don't know. Asuka ends up dropping Banks with a big kick to the face. Sane uh, to the top and hits the insane elbow on Banks. She covers her for the win, but Bailey pulls Banks out of the ring safely. Oscar tries to attack Bailey on the floor, but Bailey drops her with a shot to the face, putting her down on the mat. Sane attacks Bailey at ringside. Sane goes back to the top and nails Banks with a flying forearm to the face. Sane with an Alabama slam to Banks in the middle of the ring. Sane charges Banks again with a low clothesline, and she goes right into the Banks statement. Banks tightens a hold, and Sane taps out. And after the match, Banks and Bailey celebrate as their music hits. Uh, Oscar checks on Sane in the middle of the ring. Banks and Bailey celebrate on the ramp as the final Raw before the horror show Extreme Rules goes off the air. Um, like I said, I thought the match was good. I knew that Oscar and Sane weren't going to win. I had a kind of a feeling that Sane might be taking the fall because that might have been her last appearance. We don't know. That's just a rumor. Um, but, yeah, she did just get married, and her husband, I believe, does live in Japan still. And stardom wants her, and uh, I don't know. I don't know if they got her to resign or if this is this was her last like little outing. But the the women had a good match. I actually liked the ending where she did go for her freaking elbow. That's that's pretty awesome. And then she got the bank statement, pushed her into the middle of the ring, did a little flippy thingy that Sasha does, and she ended up tapping out. Um, but good match uh, altogether. A um, lot of lot of false finishes. So Jim Cornette would be mad. Chris, what do you think about the uh, main event on Monday Night Raw? There was a lot of false finishes. So I'm going to be – no, I'm just kidding. I'm not going to be mad. Uh, <laughs> I thought it was okay. I mean, um, you had a bunch of good wrestlers in the ring together. I, I, I thought they put on a good showing. I don't know why it was a main event um, or why it was a tag match, I guess. I don't understand the women's tag division name. That's the biggest problem. But everything else about this match was pretty okay. I did not know that Sane is contra- – I didn't know her contract's up. Yep. Or, or if I did, I forgot about it. So, wow, that's a problem. Yep. I, I would assume stardom. That's what I'm thinking. Um. <laughs> Stardom is now owned by uh, the same company that owns New Japan now, too, right? Uh, TV-wise, yes. I so think- it's it's weird, because we, we talked about this. It's very weird on how it's split uh, with some Japanese companies. But yes, it would. they want to keep them completely separate. It is a, it's owned by the same company as New Japan, but the idea is not to integrate female wrestling into New Japan, I guess. Mm-hmm. 
So that's a little weird, but yes, they they will be more pushed and probably a huge deal in New Japan. It's not a bad time to come back. Well, uh, yeah, I could definitely see her adiosing for sure. Uh, but yeah, that was Raw, and uh, now we're done with that. So we'll just move on. Dean, out of curiosity, what if she just adioses to AEW? That could happen, man. You know, <laughs> I mean, Kenny's very well respected with a lot of the Josie Rusher. Josh, dang it, I can't talk right now. Joshi wrestlers. Why is that screwing up my speech? Um, so he knows a lot of them. I'm sure he's worked with Kyrie Sane before, and he's the one who, you know, basically runs the uh, the women's division over there, or or I should say books it. Um, so, yeah, I could see that happening. I mean, she's definitely worked with Sheeta and Rio before. So, yep. I don't know. Bringing in a pretty pirate princess might not be the worst idea that they could do for that female no, division. No, and, and, you know, based on um, – why can't I think of the ex-champion for AEW? Rio. Rio, yeah. Yeah, well, Rio has gone – has been able to go back to Japan. I'm sure that they, they could work something out where she could work both, even with New Japan, since there's already people like we've established that are allowed to work with New Japan. I'm sure they would allow her to go back and forth because that's what Rio has done too, but just not for New Japan, right? Or yeah, Star- I mean – yeah, I mean, Rio is back in – well, Rio, I think, with the COVID stuff, I think she's kind of just stuck there. Yep. But Sakura, uh, too, I'm sure that if Sakura wanted to go back to whatever she was doing in Japan, they would let her. Yes, and they should utilize her more, which makes me sad because Emi Sakura is great. She's so good. Um, I Man, that would be it. That would be a that would be a great ad if they could do that, and they could work out a deal with Stardom where she can go back and forth. I, also, that opens up some chat, uh, some, I don't know what to say, uh, conversations with uh, AEW New Japan to some extent, because like yeah. you said, they are owned by the same company. <laughs> and at some point, you have to realize, like, we can make money. That's good. Making money is good. Yeah, exactly, and that's exactly what that's exactly what I'm thinking. Um, but we'll have to see. That's definitely someone that we could see join the ranks and bring a lot of credibility over to AEW. Um, now, you know, even though she looks incredibly young, I'm pretty sure Kyrie Sane's, you know, a veteran and has been around the industry for a while. So she would not only bring credibility, but she can also help the the ladies out that are a little bit more green and get them more in condition. I would think. Oh, she's 31. She's still young as hell. Yeah, Carrie Zane's the same exact age as me, weirdly enough, but she has been wrestling for forever. Since she was probably like 16, I'm assuming? Uh, that gets into a weird conversation 2011. about uh, 2011. So she would have been, what was I in 2011? The same age as her, but uh, I don't know, 18 in 2007 at 3, so she was 21 when she started, I guess? 21, okay. 22? But stardom starts some some wrestlers like Rio or and a few others. They started like 14, 16, and some of that has to do with um, I don't want to say their wrestling program, but some of their fans and giving them gifts. There's a great documentary on this uh, that Vice did, which is female wrestlers in Japan, which I recommend yeah. watching uh, for sure because there is the idea of a princess 
character. Um, and like to the to the effect that like stardom will run of a uh, run an event right, and then they have an autograph signing afterwards, and fans will bring these female wrestlers gifts, like actual like bags like presents. So it, it's a different, it's a weird different thing. I definitely recommend. I don't want to speak on it because I've never been there, but definitely check out that documentary because it's kind of eye opening. On uh, you see a lot of 14, 16 year olds wrestling. Very, very young, which you see in WWE right now. When, when you talk about EO and Asuka, they've been doing this for a long-ass time. So I just found out that Riho is actually, she works with both AEW and guess what the Japanese promotion that she works with? Stardom? All Japan? You're right. Stardom. <laughs> okay. All Japan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's going to be the new Sawa over there. That's what she's saying. Um, but awesome. yeah, so that means that, that that option is there for one of their – I'm assuming um, – why can't I think of the champion now? Um, not Amy Sakura, but uh, Shida. But Shida, uh, I'm, I'm assuming that if she had the option, she'd be able to go to uh, Stardom as well. So if Kari Singh could work out that both, that's like a really good thing for her. I'm down. I like that idea. All right. And, well, and I mean, I, I would, I would just assume that you work out the same contract, right? She's gonna yeah. make so much money in both, like way more than WWE is gonna offer. Yeah, because I'm sure they're not paying her like they're they're paying other performers. Um, she probably came in really well because of, or at least for the level of NXT with Triple H, and then I'm sure Vince didn't give her much more, um, because he doesn't know his ass from his elbow. Anyways, let's go to this Forbes article before going into <laughs> AEW um, and NXT. So the the uh, the demo god himself positioned AEW into a new spectrum. I feel like I got WWE writing right now talking. Um, so AEW fight for the fallen drew an average viewership of seven hundred and eighty-eight thousand, up to ten percent from seven hundred fifteen thousand last week. AEW came in at Number five in the top 150 for 18 to 49 demographic. NXC uh, only got 631, uh, and they were down 17% from 759,000 uh, last week, and they were 49 in the 18 to 49 demographic. It's craziness. What do you think about this, Chris? If they would have lost this demo. He would have looked like an idiot, but now he looks like a fucking genius, kind of. God damn it, Jericho. Stop being good at stuff. At first, I, you hated this, right? You hated the whole... Demogod bullshit? Yeah, you hated it. Don't even fucking... That's like... That's giving in, basically. Like, don't even fucking give him the satisfaction over WWE. I know Jericho's aggravated, but you're absolutely right. If they did, for some reason, he would have looked dumb... And also, Chris Jericho and Orange Cassidy's segment a couple weeks ago where they had the fight at the end of it, I forgot what they they were going against with NXT, but regardless of NXT, well, that was, was the Keith, lowest... It was Keith Lee, Adam Cole. But people, if, even, if they just, even if they watch just AEW and they don't even watch NXT, which I'm sure a lot of people do, that was the lowest rated showing um, for them this, this year, so... Technically, he was kind of spewing a bunch of bullshit. I just don't think it's necessary to 
it's not even taking shots at this point. It's being very blatant and talking about ratings. Like, who gives a fuck? Like, I'm, I, I just, I don't get it. Yeah, I mean, at least Jr. made fun of it. <laughs> like, yeah. As an announcer. I'm sure Jr. was like, oh god damn it, Sasha well, Franks. Well, basically, they made it was a joke. It was the WCW thing, right, where they would talk about this kind of shit. Um. Like we beat them in the ratings, etc. It it seems like he's doing that plus demo god. So it's a joke character. I'm gonna wait and see how it turns out. I do know that that shirt sold out. The demo yeah. god shirt is sold out. So Fueling Jericho, a lot of awesome fans of wrestling that I love so much. <laughs> but I mean, he he just created another thing for Jericho. As I get character. it. Chris is brilliant. I, that. <laughs> There's nothing withstanding that. It just like, it seems beneath him to even have to say anything about it. I like, mean, it it doesn't help his company. No, it just makes them look like they're paying attention too much to the other products. Like you should be pretending that they're in the fucking rearview mirror, no matter what. They they dominated the ratings for how long before <laughs> NXT got three wins and Jericho started bitching on Twitter and then actually brought it three weeks later. Like what if they lost? I have to assume that there was some ball busting on Jericho that happened maybe behind the scenes, and then he was like, fuck you, I'll Something make a set him off. Something set him off. Something set him off to make a character about it, or he wouldn't have done this, is my guess. But it was fucking hilarious. Well, <laughs> so. I don't think he's going to – maybe he'll still call himself Le Champion, but I think we've moved on to the era of the Demo God. So that That's also a thing. He's not the champion anymore, so Demo God's – God damn it, Jericho, stop being so good at wrestling. He is good at wrestling, man. He's the whole concept behind it. He just um, He's just always good. It doesn't matter. He's like, oh, okay, I have a clipboard. Okay, uh, you just made the list. <laughs> like, <laughs> he's just really good. He's one of those people that are just good at kind of everything. I hate Jericho. I'm going to fight him on IRL, get choked out like Goldberg. We're also going to be seeing, because I'm a big fan of uh, of the Schmoes No, uh, the the what what is it called, the movie trivia Schmodown. Um, if you guys don't know what the hell that is, check it out on YouTube. Uh, Christian Harloff, he's a big stand-up comedian, uh, someone that inspired me to start doing this in the first place. Worked for Collider, uh, did movie talk. Him and his partner have basically professional wrestling meets movie trivia. He used to work for WWE back in the early 2000s. And he's gotten his first big celebrity face-off. Well, he did have Freddie Prince Jr. versus someone, but it will be Chris Jericho versus Kevin Smith at Movie Trivia. And the promos are going to be starting soon, so I wanted to mention that that is going to be awesome. It's August 25th, I believe, but if you're interested in weird shit, check it out. Um, So, I mean, one of the reasons I got into podcasts – in general, is Kevin Smith because he's like, if you have, if you want to say some bullshit off your mind, you might as well just record it and throw yeah. it out there, see if anyone wants to listen to it. So uh, that's going to be very intriguing. That's uh, yeah, it's pretty awesome. They they do all like he um now whoever wins obviously wins the trivia, but he kind of books it like wrestling. So he'll have heels and a lot of certain characters that he invents throughout it. And uh, they've had a four horsemen already. They've been doing this for about four years, and they're finally – well, they were about to get a big TV deal, and then the pandemic hit. But this is going to be really good for them. Chris has been wanting to do this for a while. 
he's friends with Kevin. He was just in Kevin Smith's um, last movie, the uh, the the sequel to uh, Jane Silent Bob. Um, <laughs> yeah, he played. He was. Yes, yeah, he played the leader of the Ku Klux Klan, I think, in it. Um, yes. So uh, yeah, they're going to be going against each other. It's movie trivia, but there's a lot of promos that are involved. So I'm sure Jericho's going to roast Kevin Smith leading up to it. But uh, I was really excited when they announced that, that last week. Yeah, that seems super, super fun. I, I don't know a lot of their work, but I'll definitely check that one out because I love Jericho and I love K. Smith. I do. I will say this. I miss original Smodcast with Scott Mosier. Like, we need more Scott Mosier on the Smodcast, Kevin Smith. Well, he's now doing uh, Fat Man on Batman with, um, what's his name? Awesome dude, and I can't Rob. No, that's not Robert Meyer Burnett. Um, I can't think of the co-host on Fat Man on Batman. Someone is that knows that is wanting to shoot me right now. But let's move on. <laughs> Forget a kiss. <laughs> let's move on to uh, AEW. Let's start off with that. God, this is so easy compared to everything else. I actually remember most stuff that happened on AEW and NXT. That's the crazy part. Uh, maybe I need to drink coffee before Raw. Yeah, I mean, the good wrestling shows go way faster than the bad wrestling shows. Because I don't have as much to say. No. So we start off the show um, that, strangely enough, uh, Tony hadn't done his uh, COVID-19 test yet, or the results hadn't come back for him. So since that was the case, they had uh, Taz on half the night, and then Chris Jericho on the other half, which made sense because Jericho was in the ring pretty much for the first half, and Taz was going to manage Brian Cage at it, so it worked out. That does not mean that Tony, I'm, I'm shutting that down right now, that Tony Schiavone has COVID. Uh, that wasn't apparent. Uh, apparently, QT Marshall does have it or is going through that. So that's why he's been away from the product. Uh, DDP accidentally revealed that uh, when he was talking about his own dealings with it, him and his uh, girlfriend, so... Uh, best wishes and get well to obviously QT Marshall and Diamond Dallas Page. Um, but yeah, so started off with Arn Anderson coming out with Mr. Cody, the uh, AW TNT champion, and going against Sonny Kiss. And this was an, a pretty damn good match at the beginning. Sonny Kiss comes out with the Jag, uh, the Jaguar cheerleaders, and they do like a little dance routine uh, before it. And I swear to God, Sonny Kiss actually was dancing better than the fucking cheerleaders were, <laughs> which was great. Sonny Kiss, I told uh, I told you after this, uh, after the match, I was like, you know, it's like a little bit of obviously, and you know, it's it's known, I'm sure for lots of reasons, that Dustin has kind of taken Sonny under his wing, and probably, you know, applying some of the characteristics of Gold Dust. But I said actually, Adrian Street. And even here's old school wrestling, Antonio Roca, because she had the sequence like Roca used to, you know, if you were having a match with him, he was going to be doing like he was the one who invented the uh, the uh, whatchamacallit, the oh, man, Steve Pace, the legs, the leg scissors, <laughs> leg scissor takedowns and stuff like that. And she started doing these hurricane runs at one point and she nailed Cody with one did like a backbend to get out of his way and then did another one and started throwing him around with her. With her, his, I, I should say. She doesn't have a preference on pronouns, so if I screw up, I apologize. Um, but, you know, just kept on dropping Cody. And Cody turns very heelish at one point, 
and, you know, is showing some of that side to him because he was getting pissed off towards the end that, you know, it was taking him this long to win. She hit an amazing 450 splash off the top ropes for a two count. Um, and uh, at the end, Cody ends up winning. Uh, Cody takes his weight belt off, tosses it aside. Cody puts Kiss on the top rope. He goes up and lands a superplex, pin attempt, uh, cover, but a two count. Cody uh, bickers with Aubrey at a bit, which is something that they know that he would never do. He was gloating at one point and wasting time, and Arn started getting on his ass. So that's something that he, you know, he didn't do beforehand. Um, but, you know, when he was arguing, uh, Sonny almost rolled him up for two. Cody goes right into a crossface. Kiss breaks it up. Uh, Cody throws big shots at Kiss's face. Cody has the ref check uh, Kiss, then vanks the turnbuckle off. So he took off the turnbuckle. Cody clearly was frustrated in this match. It was noted by JR. He tries to throw Kiss into it, uh, but Kiss reverses it and sends Cody into the exposed turnbuckle and almost gets a three count. Kiss with some big forearms, roundhouse kick, goes for a discus forearm. Cody ducks, crossroads him, one, two, three. Cody wins the match. It was noted uh, that for some reason, Mr. Uh, starting to think a little bit differently about who's going to be managing this this so-called team, you know, that we don't know is confirmed or anything. But Mr. Tully Blanchard was chilling the audience. He would also be there for FTR that was noted um, shortly afterwards. But Cody afterwards checks on Kiss, turns off the heel gimmick, and gives him a big hug. You could tell there was some realism, uh, you know, probably from their interactions of working at AEW. And this really hit, helped uh, Sonny Kiss look formidable. It's like, you know, obviously Sonny Kiss is, is gay and, you know, has that type of feminine style to the way that her performance and stuff like that. But she came out and she got in the ring, or he got in the ring, I should say, I'm sorry, um, and was like, no jokes. And, you know, my, my good friend um, Clay kind of had a similar approach. You know, he would be this tall, tall Tyra Banks-looking person. But if you fucking said the wrong t- thing to him, he would mess your ass up. And didn't matter what his sexuality was. Trust me, he was a badass. Um, so I think I, I like that. I really do. And I, I like Sonny. And I like uh, I like Cody. So what did you think about the match, Chris? What did you think about Sonny's performance? They've really kind of underutilized her on Dynamite. So it was good to see her in like a big marquee match. And how do you like this trickling in, you know, where we're <laughs> – we keep on seeing, like I've said, Sean Spears, F, uh, FTR, Cody, they've all kind of like talked a lot on Twitter, post pictures, put the fours on each other's Twitter page or whatnot. You have Tully now. Cody's acting heelish. I can't control him. He's in the audience for some reason watching the match. And it's pointed out then later, are they just fucking with us? Or is there something to happen? And if it is happening, are they just giving it away at this point? I think all of the elite are the NWO. So Cody's heel, Randy's heel, Young Bucks are heel, Kenny's heel. Based on what the show was and the way they booked it, that would make the most sense is they're all turning heel. And then you're going to have, you know, FTR and uh, Adam Page, who just doesn't give a shit, just drinks booze, <laughs> apparently. Uh to, to be the crosshair. Um, I thought about this earlier, and, and maybe you can let me know if I'm crazy. Is Adam Page's character just Rooster Colburn from True Grit, the John Wayne version? 
Um, I'm not really sure. I haven't uh, seen that movie in years. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that he's just John Wayne. But uh, I'm pretty yeah, sure uh, he's just like I, I thought he was just you know kind of Southern Scott Hall when he was drinking way too much. <laughs> but uh, yeah, the match itself I thought was re- uh, really well done. Thought it was a good opening match. It's not Cody's best match, not Sony's best match. I want the Sony Joey Janela tag team. I really do want that. I I like the idea of a misfit tag team in that division when they have such a strong tag team division in general. Because eventually I would hope that, you know, you get Jericho and and Sammy Guevara back and you got Lucha Brothers, you got SEU. Even if you wanted to remove one of them for singles competition, you Pride and Powerful. I I think there's some really cool stuff you can do there. And uh, they've made Joey take so many losses that it's going to be hard to build him as anything other than the tag team guy or a mid-card guy at this point. Mm -hmm. So I I like those vignettes that they were doing. Um, I don't know. I I like Sonic Kiss. thought this was a pretty good match. I mean, it wasn't like... wasn't match of the night or anything, but Cody seems like he's saving all of his blade jobs for his big matches, so to speak. Yeah, those aren't blade jobs. He gets busted open. What are you talking about? <sighs> Dude, that that guy, he's like, oh, it's a big match this week. Let me juice real quick. <laughs> so, it's, so- have, have you seen? Have you seen? Um, being the elite lately because they, they they make fun of that all the time like matt matt jackson what the hell is he doing he, he dropped a pen and all of a sudden like he comes up and he's got fake blood all over his forehead all over his hands and he was like oh no man i juiced up again and like nick starts going like what happened man it's pretty funny shit i feel like they ruined the joke because wouldn't that be perfect for like orange cassidy getting smacked with a chair and then he comes up and just orange juice, like, pours off his head or something. He's oh like, oh, I got, God. I got juice. Um, maybe that's uh, too on the nose. But, I, yeah, I like this match. Yeah, it was good. I, I liked it, man. I I, I think that Sonny's uh, good, and I think, I think this is helping out Cody. I'm not quite sure. I think that there's two heel turns coming from the Elite, and they're going to be done. But I think it's going to be Cody forming something and then Kenny going by himself. Um, but who knows? We're, we're going to find out soon. I just found it very telling, and especially that the commentators have to point it out, that Tully was in the audience watching the uh, Cody match and then later with FTR uh, with no Sean Spears in sight. You know, you can keep Sean Spears out of it. The only problem is positioning FTR with Adam Page like they're buddies. I don't want to see Adam Page become a heel at all. I don't really have an interest in that. I don't think FTR is going to become the heels in this scenario. I think so. I think they I, definitely are. I, I mean, unless they're going to position all these people against Adam Page, it seems to be the other way, where the least expected factor would be the Young Bucks, Kitty Omega, Cody, becoming a corporation heel faction, which I could definitely see. So unless, get, like, the unless they're Vince, throwing... Unless they're throwing a million things to get us off the scent of what it seems obvious that they're doing, and then doing that, I I just don't think so. I mean, who did Kenny point out when he was uh, punching Marco in the head? Was it Tully? Because he pointed in that direction. Uh, I don't know. 
they kind of faded off. We'll, we'll talk about that a little bit later, but Kenny flips his shit. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's... And I also don't want to see FTR as a freaking babyface team. I want to see them as assholes, just ruthless like they used to be, but not shitty like on Raw and SmackDown. I mean, do you, showers. though? Because everyone loves Tully and Arn. So, I mean, they're basically babyfaces, even though they I, were straight heels. What, what I think could happen, though, is what I'm positioning is I think Tully is going to be the manager. I don't think Arn is. I think Arn's going to stay babyface and get fucked over by Cody. And Tully is going to be ringing in these four guys and be like the the what the why can't I think of his name? Um, president of WCW at one point, JJ Dillon, the heel scheming manager, and then Arn will grab some other guy probably I guess. I I just feel like all of the elites turning heel and you're gonna get FTR and uh, you know. Well, I guess we're gonna have to put money down, Chris, on this. Because I will bet you that my situation happens. Unless they are being way too obvious about it. They're being way too obvious about it. On Twitter and on, you know, just... So maybe they are trying to throw a percent. They're just, you know... I'm not giving enough credit. But... I mean, they may not do anything with managers at all, is the other thing. Which would really piss people off, but would also be interesting. Where it's just like... I don't know. Kenny Omega and Adam Page broke up, so now these guys are fighting. Well, and also, <laughs> Cody was recently saying that it would be really hard to try to do some type of four horsemen concept. But a lot of people were thinking he was just bullshitting about it. But who knows? Maybe he's being serious. I don't know. I do not know. But the next match with FTR and the Lucha Bros was pretty good. Um, actually, yeah, it was, re- it was really good. And it was very hard-hitting. Weird. Pentagon and um, I want to say Sawyer, but uh, because I always forget, Dax beat the living hell out of each other again. So the Blade and the Butcher enter the building with the Lucha Bros, but stay behind to watch the match. Pentagon beats up Harwood uh, as things get started. Phoenix tagged uh, in, and then they double team uh, where Pentagon flips Phoenix down on his opponent, but they kind of missed the momentum and Phoenix couldn't lift Pentagon's big ass. So they had to do it like a second time to get it, which, you know, shit happens. It usually looks fucking awesome, but uh, Wheeler uh, hit a blind tag and was able to drop down uh, on Phoenix, uh, drop to a hold by Wheeler, elbow drop by Harwood, uh, quick leg drop by Harwood. Um, to how much fucking notes is this? Okay. It's almost done. Uh, camera showing Tully Blanchard yet again. He's uh, getting a lot of camera time tonight. Pentagon with a sunset flip on Wheeler with Phoenix landing a big penalty kick. He kicks Harwood off the apron, double kicks to Wheeler, then Phoenix with a missile drop kick off the apron down to Harwood. Phoenix leaps off the top rope and eats a European uppercut. Butcher and Blade are still watching. Um, dang it, don't mess up on me. Are still watching. Harwood tags in and punches away at anything that moves. Two suplexes on Phoenix. He then suplexes Pentagon down on uh, Phoenix. Harwood bleeding a bit from the chest due to a chop he received early in the match. That was pretty pretty rad. Uh, Harwood, yeah, sent out of the floor. Lucha Bros double team Wheeler, double uh, leg kicks. This is a body splash by Phoenix. Springboard leg drop by Pentagon cover. Just a two. Uh, Phoenix looks for a spike pile driver. Nope. Uh, Phoenix tries for a hurricane runner. Wheeler blocks it. Harwood tags in and ends up on the top ropes with Pentagon. Phoenix uh, tags in. Uh, Pentagon takes a superplex. Wheeler uh, tries for a splash. 
knees up uh, by Pentagon when he attempts it. Phoenix tries for a splash of his own, but Harwood gets his knees up as well. That was a pretty cool spot. Phoenix and Harwood end up on the floor. Pentagon lands a sling bait on Wheeler. They are on the apron now, back and forth chops. Pentagon ends up on the floor, diving, swinging DDT on Wheeler. Phoenix with a step-up crossbody down on Wheeler. Back in the ring, Harwood eats a hook kick by Phoenix. Phoenix tries another one. Harwood yanks Phoenix's mask up, rolls him up. One, two, three for the win. Pulling a really fucking cheap move <laughs> that that uh, that Excalibur says would be illegal in Mexico. Well, I'm glad that using the tag rope and not having to actually tag a person is okay in Mexico, but if you take the mask off, it's a DQ. Uh, but uh, pretty good stuff. Uh, there's a lot of stuff that happened afterwards, but what did you think about the match, Chris? Um, uh, I'm trying to start. Okay, so Dex Hardwood and Pentagon, they must have got together backstage a few weeks ago. And we're like, let's just beat the shit out of each other. <laughs> like, that'll be a good thing I'm to do. <laughs> because even going back to the match last week where Pentagon chopped him, and, it, like, there is no echo in that arena because there's, like, zero fans or anything. It was just so loud and the same thing tonight. And and Dax is just potatoing this guy like he's Stan Hansen. I like this match a lot. Um it does break down to one of those things with uh, Lucha Brothers where they don't tag enough for me. And me and you kind of talked about this offline earlier where it's like it really – it might help them to go through like a WWE-type system at some point just to get the tagging mechanics. But outside of that, I thought this was a really, really fun match. Overall, I, I mean, no complaints. I yeah. The first hour of the show was so much better than the second hour of the show, minus the main event. Agreed. Agreed. Because there was just think, a lot of filler. Uh, so do you think it was cheap of Dax to rip off Phoenix's mask and roll him up for the three count? That was pretty awesome. I think that is a great move and very old school heel, and I loved it. But yes, it was oh. cheap. He's an asshole. But then he went and hung out with Adam Page, who's definitely yeah. the best baby face in the company right now. And all he has to do is drink, just like Stone Cold did. Anyways. <laughs> well, look, he, he did cowboy shit, then he rode a horse, and now he's just cool guy Adam Page. I like it. I, I'm down, man. So after the match, Butcher and Blade taunt FTR about still having the keys to their vehicle. From behind, here comes Matt and Nick Jackson. Sneak up and super kick party on both guys. Um, now they have the keys. Matt and Nick head to the ring and as a, I guess, gesture, you know, give FTR their keys back. Kenny Omega walks through the ring uh, from the back with a cooler of beers um, after he had dumped, you know, the one they offered him out last week. Omega says... He'll have one and cheers with FTR. FTR then dumps their beers on Omega's head. Omega get, goes, you know, flips out, goes uh, at FTR. But Young Bucks hold him back. FTR uh, walk to the vehicle and get in. Uh, Wheeler tries to get started, but looks like they had a problem with it, and shit happens. Uh, and then Taz leaves a commentary to help Brian Cage get ready for his title match against the AEW world champion, John Moxley. Um the after stuff, I actually really liked. I like the position that they're doing with Kenny. 
that he's, you know, we're going to get into a tag match next where he really fucking loses his shit. So after being a dick bag last week, he decides to try to be, you know, kind of mend everything and, and be nice about it, Chris. But they just decide, fuck you, you're an asshole, and pour their beer on his head. And then he tries to fight them. Um, pretty good stuff, I would say. Yeah, I thought I thought this the entire segment was very well done. I guess with Kenny specifically and kind of tilting towards being crazy, don't they already have that character in John Moxley? You know, that's a very good point. They kind of do. And if you're asking me which one would do it better, if you just pulled the reins off and let them go, uh, as someone that's seen John Moxley's early work, I would go, John Moxley, <laughs> let him be full on crazy. So is having the championship kind of hindering John Moxley a bit with the potential of how, you know, fucking crazy because he's coming off more like a baby face. We've talked about this. It's like when we saw him in New Japan, it was Terry Funk. When we see him over here. They're kind of positioning him similar to how they had DDP in WCW. He's kind of like called himself not the people's champion, but had that same mantra thanked everyone he's not acting as fucking crazy as he should and do you think it's because of the fact that he's a champion he's trying to be the babyface champion for the company i i think so a little bit i i think they definitely gave him the austin push when we get to this main event yeah that's a good point too that's another good person to compare to where he called where he called his own shot and you know spoiler alert he he retains the title but he calls his own shot what? And, then, and then flips off Taz while he's doing it. That is a very Stone Cold Steve Austin thing. So maybe they've just decided what their choice is. To me, he's not that, though. He is more of a Terry Funk, Roddy Piper, crazy yep. man, uh, yep. more so than a Steve Austin. Steve Austin is just a no not. Steve Austin is a drunk Hank Hill that's really pissed off. Oh, my God. Like that—that that is uh, Steve Austin. That's his character. He, as, as Mike Judge would say, he's a Bubba from Texas who's really drunk and pissed off. That's Steve Austin. Dean Ambrose is a crazy person, <laughs> which yep. fits more with like a Terry Funk, <laughs> or to some extent a Dusty Rhodes. Like I, I like when they get way more out there with this character. Um, well. I shouldn't even say that because now we're dialing way back to when he wasn't popular, CZW days. But they can give that guy a mic and just let him go and be crazy. It'd probably be better than most of the show, but then they wouldn't have a champion. So, man, you you can't have Kenny and him doing the same thing. So either Moxley is Stone Cold or he's Brian Pillman. You can't. Yeah. You can't have both. You can't have two crazy guys at the same time. It just doesn't work. Because yeah. what happens if they feud? What happens if Kenny and him are both in this title picture? I don't know. I don't. I don't exactly know what they can do. Because uh, you're right that that it, it is. It can be too similar, you know. Um. It's gonna be interesting though because with Kenny. I can't really, Chris, remember exactly, obviously because, you know, the antics that happened in New Japan a lot of times, obviously outside of Kenny, 
we saw him do promos backstage after you know competitions, the press things and stuff like that. But it was the cleaner really that that crazy, or was he just you know he he was explosive in the ring, but he was kind of more cool and and chill a lot of times, just like a dastardly heel. Well, originally he did what New Japan asked him, which is to be the cleaner from Pulp Fiction. So he's just a guy to clean up messes. So he's very quiet and kind of kept to himself. It just had kind of a cool look. And then it, it grew out of that, right, into what Kenny Omega became. But by that time, the Bullet Club in general had already changed. Um, I mean, he was... I would say he was more aggressive, like more venomous as yeah. a character. Um, and not necessarily crazy. Like, Kenny Omega because, like, always looks crazy because he does the thing that Jim Cornette hates, which is the ultimate warrior hand and head gimmick. But it doesn't come off as honest as, like, when Dean Ambrose is crazy, which is kind I, of I, the problem. <laughs> this is this is a sub, sub-subject, but I don't understand how Jim Cornette has so many problems with Kenny Omega's facial expressions. And he does do the warrior comparison, but one of the guys that had some of the most overdramatic, but it just worked out because he was the best, facial expressions, was fucking Ric Flair. So I, I just don't, like, it, it. he acts like that doesn't happen in wrestling. Like, I love Jimmy, but some of the stuff that he complains about doesn't make sense to me. I think more of his point with the facial expressions is it's not all the time, it's only when it's important, which makes Ric Flair, like, mm. what of the best of all time, right? Yep. So and that that's a hard comparison. But more of what I was getting at is, you know, when Kenny Kenny shakes on every move he does, he really does, and that's part of the character and th- throwing the hands up. And by the way, there's a lot of people in AEW in NXT that's doing this now, where they point at the guy before they take a charge. Don't do it. Just stop. Just let one guy do it. If everyone does it, then it's bad for all of the wrestling fans. Same thing as the pump kick. I'm sick of seeing the ripcord knee, man. Uh, I even <laughs> even Matt Riddle uses it too much. I think. I've seen Aleister Black use it. Seth Rollins, obviously. Yeah, it's like they don't understand how you actually get a move over, which is like your Okada and you clothesline a guy. Wait a minute. Are you talking about modern wrestling not knowing how to get fucking moves over when they do they use they use super kicks for punches basically and they use Canadian destroyers? I love the Young Bucks. I love I love all these guys. But I'm so like and Jim Ross was complaining about it on his last show, just like there's a fucking Tope Suicida in every goddamn match. No one even cares about the damn move anymore. It just always happens. And he's not wrong. He's, Don't say I'm just old. Like I I mean, I feel like all these people are scared of Okada because they're doing the ripcord knee. So they're ripping off Kenny instead of Okada. <laughs> because if they ripcord Lariat, people will be like, that asshole did a wish- rainmaker. <laughs> You know, I, I love I love people like Kenny and especially AJ and stuff like that to do some crazy stuff. But AJ's kind of tamed and, and uses spots when he needs to. But I wish people would actually watch Okada because he doesn't have to do that much crazy shit. He does – his fucking two main moves are a clothesline that looks devastating. And before that is a bunch of drop kicks. He also does his fitting tombstone. But still, I'm just saying. But, I mean, that's a shout-out to The Undertaker because he does a normal tombstone. Because he has respect for the business, and he usually so kills he, he usually kills people with that tombstone. <laughs> Except for oh, yeah. Kenny, who can last sixty minutes or whatever. It's just I mean, 
Oh, that's a that's a whole di- we, we're getting on a whole different tangent, so we should just move on. But yeah, like, I love AEW, but they they do have some some kinks in their armor sometimes with what they're doing. Um, also, the way that people certain certain people win, we'll get to it with the main event. It's like every big guy has to lose, or big girl too, with with uh, Nyla Rose for that matter. Uh, to put the even doubt with all the smaller guys, I guess. I don't know what the hell the reasoning is for that, but to, to be fair to Moxley, he's like taller and not as wide as Brian Cage, but that would be even fight. Yeah, because he's we'll get, a WWE we'll get, guy. Yeah, we'll all right, we'll, we'll get there. <laughs> all right, so Chris Jericho comes out to the ring with Santana Ortiz and Jake Hager. God, I miss Sammy. Uh, that doesn't say that in my notes. I just do. Uh, Jericho with some orange juice in hand. Jericho takes the mic. Jericho says last week he not only won the match, but he won the ratings war as well. Jericho then said he's going to explain ratings. Um, let me ask you, am I going crazy? Did a little graph at the bottom of the screen pop up and then all of a sudden disappear? Or was I fucking imagining shit? So I watched this recorded because I was doing a film shoot. Um, so I didn't catch the graph that you're talking about but i'm assuming because it's jericho he probably had a graph so if you saw a graph i'm assuming it existed (laughs) well it looked like it fucked up because it came on and then all of a sudden disappeared like a second later so maybe they just said screw it anyways um uh says while it's great to win overall viewers it's all about the 18 to 49 demographic which basically kind of says everyone that's 50 plus go fuck off uh but that means that's that's the advertisement thing that's what they look at uh which he's never lost even though he has i'm the demo god jericho says he knows what the people uh want they want to see orange cassidy against him again and you're not gonna get it he tells him to fuck off basically so he starts more talking shit about cassidy um says that he's scared um and that the demo god is never scared and cassidy comes out it's outside over by the uh, – it's not where the announce table is, but in raw, that's where – the front of the fucking stage. Sorry. Um, and he's just looking at him. Chris Jericho's talking shit about to him, wants to know what the hell he's doing there. And he puts his fingers up like Sammy Callahan and then thumbs up, thumbs down. When thumbs down happens, a bunch of orange juice pours all over all the members of the inner circle. And <laughs> so this is – this is kind of like if you if you like Ortiz for his ridiculous antics, I, I get it. If if you don't, you don't. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if Pierpro Frippo did this type of stuff too, but Jim Cornette for his look, he he calls him Pampo Frippo Jr. But <laughs> but Ortiz kind of does look like him if you look him up. Um, but Ortiz starts in the orange juice, falls over. He's like Three Stooges shit where he's like swimming in it. Very much kind of like how uh, uh, Vince McMahon and Shane McMahon did when Austin had the beer truck and he fucking sprayed the beer all over them. Like, that wasn't high pressure like a goddamn fire hose. And they were acting like they couldn't get up and they kept on falling over. Well, everyone else around him is not having that. At one point, you see Chris Jericho kind of kick Ortiz, like, stop it. Like, you know. But, um, yeah, Jericho was fucking pissed. His, his jacket cost $7,000. And I think we're going to get another match between the two of them. Uh, he gets a towel, and when he puts it up and he's putting off his face, you see, uh, you know, uh, Orange Cassidy's, uh, whatchamacallit, uh, face on it. 
And then he realizes that and kind of does like the whole like, you know, Captain Kirk, like, Con! but it's like Orange Cassidy. And then Grumpy Chris Jericho joins commentary. And uh, yeah, then we are about to have the match with the Elite and Jum- Jungle Express. But before we get to that, Chris, what did you think about this segment? I liked I liked it all. I kind of had some problems with certain parts of it, as you know. One of them is the Ortiz just being a little bit too overdramatic. Sometimes it's funny. Sometimes it's a little bit much. And personally to me, I, I could have used Jericho not making a breakdown of the rating stuff. But I get it to an extent. Um, but what did you think about this? I didn't mind the rating stuff just because it's Jericho's new character. So he's moving on from Le Champion to the ratings god. And hopefully they win every week. Um, which I, they're pretty much going to be locked into the 18 to 49. And the only reason NXT did, let's say, worse this week was because of NASCAR. <laughs> like, it was literally because of NASCAR All-Star Race. They lost, like, everyone from 49 or, or whatever that upper age range is. They lost a bunch of people watching NASCAR. Um, and you can look at it. I sent you the, I sent you the spreadsheet. I can post it on Geek Vibes if anyone wants to see it, or you can message me on Twitter and I'll send it to you. Um, but in general, uh, I like the promo. It very WCW with the new blood and Vampiro dropping blood on Kevin Nash and Sting and, and those cats. So that part, I was like, really? Are we doing this? And it's funny because it's Orange Cassidy and it's Orange Juice, but. At some point, we have to get past the orange Cassidy orange juice thing to the character. Like, he got beat with blood oranges. Now he's dropping orange juice on people. Um, Ortiz selling. My assumption is that he just hated this. So he pulled the Shawn Michaels versus Hulk Hogan and just oversold everything. And that's why Jericho was kind of pissed off. I don't know about that. I, I, he does this stuff every freaking time for anything. Uh, he just oh, stepped but over the top. This one was like over 9,000, though. Like, he got up, took a bump, got up, took another bump, swam, got up, took another bump. Like, it was, especially with everyone else not doing it, it seemed like he was being an asshole on purpose, to me at least. And he is very over-exaggerated, I, I'll give you that. Uh, but it seemed like he was kind of being an asshole. Well, after they left and Chris Jericho joined commentary and just was great on commentary, I think they ended the night with Chris Jericho going, I'm completely covered in orange juice, JR. And JR goes, you stink. And that that, that was the way they ended (laughs) Dynamite, which was pretty awesome. Just wouldn't stop bringing this up. But the thing that Jericho does really well is, you know, and I've said this on the last couple episodes, he said that he's kind of like, since they asked him to do commentary, he kind of started studying the way Ventura did it because he liked the way Ventura did it as a heel commentator because Ventura would still give credibility where credit it's due with calling action, you know, and, and he says this in this match, like, I don't, I, I you know, I don't like Nick Jackson as a, as a human, but I can't say that he's not one of the most agile guys talking about his match with um, Phoenix uh, on Dynamite. Or later on when he starts praising Kenny when he starts acting heelish, which kind of makes sense. But before that, saying that Kenny's one of the pound for pound or from bell to bell uh, best wrestlers in the company, like he's good about that and then flipping it and still being heel. And, uh, you know, we say this every week, Chris. It's like at the end of all this, Jericho's definitely going to be a commentator, I would say, after he's done with his career whenever he wants to finish. 
Yeah, I hope so. And he can always be the guy that they pull back out for one match, right? So, yeah, Jericho has been incredible in this role. I liked the Demo God stuff. I know other people were off on it, but um, it to me it wasn't as insulting as like what they did with Brody. <laughs> Just specifically making fun of Vince McMahon. Like, go sneeze outside kind of thing. Um with Chris Jericho, yeah, I think he's going to be a great commentator. I liked his commentary through the entire show. I will say with when Tony is there, it's a little better. And I'm very glad that Tony tested negative for COVID, which is why he was Good. not on the show. So he posted that result on Twitter earlier. So everyone everyone can relax. Tony Schiavone is fine. He'll be back. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean – I wonder if what he's talking about with Demo God is him on commentary more than anything else. Because if, what if that's moving the needle good. Because he was gone the past two weeks on commentary. They lost. So I'm I'm just very curious on what he actually means. And uh, like I don't know. It's a good it's a good character gimmick regardless. And uh, that match he and Orange Casty had is good. So I, I expect more for them the next time. Put them in a cage. That'd be good. Let's do it. Let's do it. You know Orange Cassidy's going off the top of that motherfucker, though. Dude, yeah, probably. Which will probably take him six years to climb up it. Like, he'll barely be grabbing. He'll fall off a little bit, and then he'll kind of, like, try to do it again. But, you know, they can make a whole thing out of it. I mean, I don't know, like, because that was opposite of what he did with Chris Jericho. Like, he's snapped, so maybe he is just completely snapped when it comes to Chris Jericho, and then he's going to wrestle someone else, and that might be his gimmick. Like, he'll be in a ladder match or something and just be like, I can't figure out the ladder now. <laughs> but he just hates Chris Jericho, so he tries hard. That's a good – that's a pretty good gimmick. That, that guy is – that guy's very smart. Yep, I agree. All right, so we have the Elite. Uh, Young Bucks and Kenny Omega going against Jurassic Express, Luchasaurus, Marco Stunt, and Jungle Boy. And this match made me think two things, Chris. I want to see Jungle Boy against Nick Jackson in a match just solo, and I want to see Jungle Boy in a match with Kenny Omega solo. Uh, he is getting so fucking good, I think, um, you know, based on his age and the amount of time he's been in the industry. Uh, just ridiculous. But uh, Jungle Boy and Nick... Get things started. Back and forth action between each wrestler. Hangman uh, Page was having a drink later on. Obviously, we said it already. FTR would join them. Uh, join him, I should say, during it. Omega and Stunt tag in. Stunt taunts Omega a bit. Kenny throws him to the mat. Omega seems bothered, unbothered by Stunt, but Stunt ends up getting the best of him. Omega ditches his shirt, then tags Matt in. I like that part where Chris Jericho was like, you can tell Kenny's not taking this seriously because his shirt's still on. And that kind of made sense because as soon as that happened, like, you get fucking pissed off. He takes it off. Luchasaurus gets tagged in. Big kick to the head. Cover, two count. Jurassic Express are all over the elite. Stunts decides to do the floss dance on the floor. Nick with a drop kick to stop the nonsense. Omega took for a big dies over the top ropes, taking out two opponents. Jungle Boy with the Hurricane Rana sending Nick uh, to the floor. He hits a clothesline with Omega. Then a springboard swinging DDT in the ring. Luchasaurus tags in. Chokeslam, standing moonsault. Covers, two count. FTR joins Hangman Page, like I said. Omega with the V-trigger, then another one. 
Omega hits a snapdragon suplex. Stunt leaps off the top rope. Uh, another one to him. Uh, Jungle Boy in the ring, and he takes uh, another uh, snapdragon as well. Stunt lifted uh, into the ring from the floor and hits a hurricane yeah, runner on Omega. Um, extension effect on Omega cover. Bucks break it up. They go uh, out to the floor and battle for a moment. Stereo drop kicks on Luchasaurus. Triple Tiger Diver, 98, cover two. The team battles, leaving Omega in the ring with Stunt. He goes for the one-wing angel. Stunt gets a roll-up, one-two. Omega gets pissed off, hits a V-trigger, and then a one-wing angel lands and gets a cover for the three-count. Post-match, Omega smiles uh, weirdly. Uh, then swings away on Stunt a bit more. Young Bucks immediately stop him, but Omega looks a bit off his rocker for a moment. Jurassic Express look annoyed and tell Omega to, to basically to fuck off. Omega slumps back into the corner, talking to himself. So, it was a good match. Um, I even think, you know, I know people complain about Marco Stunt, but I think the way that they do it, how he gets extra momentum because he's in these tag matches and you know, he'll he'll bounce off the, obviously off of Luchasaurus. A lot of the stuff is still believable to me where it doesn't bother me as much as others. But uh yeah, I, I really like the small interaction that we got with Jungle Boy and Kenny and Jungle Boy and Nick Jackson. Um and I thought that was a pretty good match and you know, like we already talked about, Kenny's going down a little bit of a, a different path, I would say, Chris. I feel like the Jackson brothers have a death wish after all these Canadian destroyers, Jesus Christ. The one that uh, – was it from the stage the Jungle Boy hit? Uh, yeah. <sighs> Oof. That's two in a row. I, was reference, it Nick? Reference P.D. Williams' Twitter post about stop using my move all the time. Or just – or maybe just use it safely <laughs> because – I don't need to see that all the fucking time in weird scenarios – it's like, what the fuck? It just makes the move not look that effective. Yeah, that's a question for you. Would you rather catch a Canadian destroyer or get a pop-up powerbomb on the apron where Kevin Owens oh. barely uses it? Oh, I would rather get a fucking Canadian... <laughs> are, are, yeah, because that doesn't look like it does shit. I would not want to get my back <laughs> smashed against the apron. See? <laughs> that's. But anyways, could the Jackson brothers stop taking this on their neck and back like for no reason in a TV match that'd be good. I mean like if you want to do it like crazy table spot or something later on, save it for that. Save it for that. But who am I to criticize the Young Bucks? Uh this match was okay. It was a very spot match. And uh mm-hmm. if if Stone Cold Steve Austin was talking about this match, he would definitely yell about Jungle Boy not hitting the ropes hard enough. He yep. he he's like anticipating his dives a lot. So when he runs to the opposite rope to go for his dive, he does like a stutter step, which Austin would hate, and is definitely noticeable if I'm nitpicking. But this was a very very fun match, good to watch. It was way better than what was on NXT at this point in time, in my opinion. Um, yeah, overall I liked it. I don't know what they're doing with Kenny Omega. I'm assuming he'll turn. Hopefully he turns all of the elite against Adam Page, and Adam Page just goes the fuck off as this, like, white hat cowboy. 
if you're talking about movies or script writing, he is the uh, the good versus the bad, right? So that could be very cool. Just depends on how they play it. But uh, yeah, Kenny snapping at the end. I think he pointed to Tully and they snapped away really quickly from the audience. Also, Brian Cage was over there, and that might have been why they like slapped away so hard. If you rewatch it, um, because if like Brian Cage and Taz and then Tully was behind them and he pointed in the same general direction. Now you don't know what's going on. Um, there's definitely something going on with Kenny Omega, which is something. good, which is good because he needs something at this point. He does. I think that, you know, and like I said, I think he kind of takes this himself. He's even talked about, I have wanting to elevate people, but at the same time, be fucking selfish a little bit. Like I would like the young bucks and Kenny a little bit presented bigger than they are. I'd love to see the bucks eventually with those belts, which I think is going to happen. looks like they're going that direction. And Kenny looks like no matter if he's going to be a part of whatever, he's going to be a heel and he might be taking more aspects to his original kind of character that got him over uh, in new Japan. So that's the case. Good. And I want to see Brian cage versus fucking Kenny Omega. Yeah, the Battle of the Terminators, man. I want to see that as well, but I also need Kenny Omega to stop just always using a high lift knee. Like, there were so many of those V-triggers in this match. So many. It was it yeah. was like, it was more than the super kicks in a normal Usos match or a Young Bucks match. There was a lot of knees. Go back yeah, and should... count how many times, like, JR called like called V trigger or whatever, but it wasn't the V trigger. It was just the high knee. Like Kenny, you're better than that. And he sold most of the match and, and took a bunch of fucked up moves. So I'm not going to like say that it was bad, but at the same time, his offense was just a lot of V triggers. Oh, for everyone listening out there, that shits on Roman Reigns. You should watch this match and, and watch all the high knees. That's a good point. Um, so we had Alex Marvez um, backstage with Takara Shida, and she basically was asked about Nyla Rose, even though they've already gone against each other. If she becomes top contender, would she be willing to face her? And Shida said that any challenger uh, can, you know, have a match against her, and if uh, Rose is brave enough, uh, then she can go against her. Uh... Oh, and then we had a promo from John Moxley that was awesome. Uh, basically saying that he had a bad week. A friend of his passed away that was on his T-shirt um, from not too long ago. I forgot what the gentleman's name is, but uh, I'm pretty sure a big wrestler in the CCW, uh, like the hardcore community. But Moxley says tonight he'll be able to purge his anger uh, as he defends the title. Moxley says that according to Taz, he can't land his finisher on Cage because he's just you know, too big, too muscular. Well, Moxley says maybe he'll rip Cage's uh, torn bicep in two. Uh, the one that he was out for six months before coming on uh, that he had to have surgery on. So pretty uh, good showing us the strategy of what he was going to do, and it made a lot of sense. I think this is a situation, I'm assuming, because of, you know, where in wrestling you don't know what side they do the surgery on, so you obviously work on the other arm. Um, but just you will see that later on with his strategy to go after his bicep that he tore. So... I thought this was a pretty good uh, – Moxley seemed like he was aggravated. He has to be upset, man. The last couple of weeks have been, you know, in reality, he hasn't been able to go to work. 
you know, he was wearing the shirt repping that his uh, friend had passed away that, you know, so that was obviously on his mind. His wife has COVID or is getting over COVID and he probably can't have any interaction with her, obviously. So John Mox is probably stressed, Chris, right? Yes. Um, I thought this was a Jimmy Havoc shirt at first, and that's not me trying to be a dick. I was like, that's a bold move. And then I was like, oh, it's – is it Davey Havoc? Not Davey Havoc, Danny Havoc. Davey Havoc, if you guys don't know, is the vocalist for AFI. So I was very confused. Hey, <laughs> yep, that guy. <laughs> so I was – Yeah, he um, died on uh, May 34th. Th- 31st, I mean. Danny Havoc. Yeah, so – Rest in peace. But when I first saw this, I was like, I I mean, I saw it like from afar and I just heard saw the havoc and the rest. I was like, wow, that's a bold choice. Um, considering everything that's going on right now with, with Jimmy. Um, but yeah, it turned out to be a super sweet momentum. I missed this promo, Dane, completely. Um, so I cannot say whether it was good or not. I'm sure it was good because it was Dean Ambrose, but I I don't know. I just I I don't know if my show didn't record this or this one just got skipped for me somehow. It wasn't a long one, so you know if you just kind of walked away for a split second, you might have missed it. But it was very direct to the point. Him, he was going back and like he was pacing back and forth in a parking lot, just kind of like you know doing a Dean Ambrose John Moxley shit. Yeah, so like later in the show, I, this might be my cable or something because later in the show they brought up the fact that he had said earlier he knows the weak spots of Brian Cage and how to dismantle him, even on commentary. Which, by the way, good commentary. Um, but yeah, I, I guess I just fucking missed this promo completely. I'm sure it was good though. Like I said. All right, so we've been uh, building on Dark AEW Dark uh, tag team between Allie and Brandy Rhodes. I think they had some other ideas and intentions to go with QT Marshall, but obviously he's not uh, he's not there, so they're doing these two ladies together. And they went against Kenzie Page and MJ Jenkins. Uh, they're with Dustin. I mean, it was a match. They won. I don't think that I should really go that much more onto it. But Nyla Rose was in the ring after a commercial break with Dasha. Rose is asked who her manager is going to be, but Rose says she's not telling. She will let them say it for themselves out Excuse me, uh, Guerrero says that when she and Rose go after the title, it will be the perfect time. Guerrero continued that the lockers, uh, the locker room uh, should stop lying to themselves that they are any good at all, and Rose will take everything that they ever dreamed of. So that's what we got, man. Uh, it's actually Vicky Guerrero. I don't know who. I think was in, I think that was Dave's suggested choice uh without knowing it might have been someone else but it was vicky and uh how'd you feel about the fact that we're gonna have to hear vicky's voice (laughs) with these promos with nyla rose i was more excited when i heard the theme music which is just her saying excuse me to a techno beat i don't know if you noticed that or not (laughs) but the new theme music's pretty good um I don't know. Like, what kind of power would she have to put Nyla in a better position than where she's already at? 
she did mention lying and cheating and stealing. Uh, so she she threw some Eddie references out there. So maybe like by hook or crook, she's going to be the champion. But to me, it didn't really solidify why Nyla needs a manager when she has murdered everyone on the roster except for like Sheeta and Rio. Yeah, that's a good point. I not only that, but you would think that it would be someone that's not the best talker. Where I think Nyla's actually pretty good at cutting promos. So I don't know. Well, I liked my idea of it being Emmy Sakura. Yeah, I liked your got, idea. She got beat by both of those female athletes who were trained by Emmy Sakura. So now she has to go find the master, kind of you know, very kung fu style. Uh, or what would be awesome, awesome, awesome is if Bull Nakano was the uh, the manager. Teaches her how to play golf. Yeah, she looks too damn normal now. She looks she looks scary as fuck in the nineties. She is scary as fuck. What a great career. She had a great professional wrestling career, and she's like, you know what? Pro golf. That's my new gimmick. <laughs> one from the other, man. Those are one from the other. <laughs> All right, so next week we're going to have an AEW TNT champion will defend his title. There's rumors on that that there's two people swirling around. One of them is a person that has been there the um, uh, last couple times, but he's lost both times, and that's Brian Pillman Jr. Kind of make it look like an MLW wrestler is going against Cody. There's also rumors that, and I don't know if I would have him just come out for a dynamite if this is the truth, that Zack Ryder could end up challenging Cody. Um do you think that would be a good way to, to debut him, Chris? I guess they don't have audiences. I still feel like Zack Ryder is going to be show up on Impact. We're going to find out tonight for sure if that's going to happen. I, I, is, here's, a, here's a better question. If you're a company and Zack Ryder is like me and Brian Myers are a package deal because of our podcast and our friendship, would AEW sign them both versus Impact would sign them both, right? See, I don't think that it would have to be a package deal necessarily. I don't know what Kurt Hawkins is doing. Maybe he does want to still pursue wrestling, but I don't think Kurt Hawkins would let Zack Ryder do that. Like, make it them or not because they can still do their podcast i mean maybe depending on the contract deal you know that well you work that out in your contract you may, you're like we're gonna still do a wrestling figure podcast you know zach Ryder, if he shows up on the show you you do realize he's gonna be like one of the biggest people on their roster muscle wise yeah. size wise yeah. i don't think that's Guys, a bad thing he's fucking jacked so like, well, what you do know, you, do you know what that Brian means. Cage? <laughs> like, you keep Brian Cage. What what's probably gonna happen to him? I wouldn't worry about it. If you're jacked or if you're tall, you get beaten pretty much one of your first fucking matches, and then you're even with all the small guys in AEW. <laughs> I guess I don't know. It's weird. That's, I mean, I, they've done that for everyone. Anyone, even even the guy, even um, what's his name? Um, Jeff Cobb, who wasn't even a full time member. You lost your first match. Fucking Lance Archer, he beats a bunch of jobbers, and then he loses his next big match. Brian Cage is going to lose tonight. You know, spoiler warning. Nyla Rose lost her first match for the title against Rio. 
Brian uh, Cage just, did not lose. His coach threw in the towel with three minutes uh, left on the Jesus time clock. Christ. That's yeah. dude, that's that's gonna be the storyline, which we'll get yeah. to, but that is definitely gonna be the storyline. You're right, He's, you're right. Um I agree. Yeah, it, I don't know. Man, Zack Ryder and AEW. Wardlow lost his first match. Also, remember, and Luchasaurus, his first singles match, big one. Forgot who he went against, but Brody Lee also lost. We need a better Zack Ryder finisher than the uh, Rough Rider, that jumping famouser he does, right? Yeah, how about he does that as a signature and uses the elbow drop as a finisher? Which would be He's good. good elbow drop. It's, it's, it's one of the best. It's up there with HBKs and, and Randy Macho Man Savages. It's Ooh, definitely dude. it's definitely way above uh, CM, CM Punk's. Punk's. <laughs> uh, Fuck uh, you, Punk. Re- Eat a dick. Let me rebuttal <laughs> all the rest of these matches before my co-host gets hot. Um, <laughs> so besides Cody defending the title, we're getting Hangman against five from the Dark Order with Brody Lee. Uh, Evil Lise, who I was a huge fan of, Impact. She was in the, the Women's Battle Royal, but she hasn't been doing anything in wrestling. So I'm hoping this is going to be her full debut on to – she'll be a great get, I think. But she's going against uh, DeMonte. By the way, if if she had such a buzz, why haven't they done a damn thing with that one chick, the uh, the crazy one? Well, oh, I mean, man. it's it's very hard to say because, like, the last seven or eight months have been thrown up in the air. Depending on I where you are in the world. I would have her back. Like immediately, she's from like Ohio, so it can't be like that bad. Well, um, yeah, but you don't also you gotta sign a sign a contract, right? That could be a holdout. Oh, I would definitely sign her. If I was that was like that reminded me of the first time I saw the fiend. Like, who is this creepy fucking person, or a Rosemary for that matter? Um, you would you would go back and sign the fiend now to a, uh, a th- we'll like to. Two, Okay. <laughs> All right. We'll uh, no, but you get what I'm saying is, we'll say we had a good match, right? Got to sign a long-term contract for three years with the market the way it is. It's kind of a toss-up. Same thing with that Anderson and Gallows, where they're like, well, Paul had to cut some people. Yeah. All right. So then the Young Bucks are going against the Butcher and the Blade in a False Count Anywhere tag match. MJF uh, with Wardlow in action. And then Chris Jericho and Jake Hager are going against Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy. So that should be awesome. And, uh, yeah, Moxley versus Brian Cage. This was, a, I mean, I'm assuming everyone watched the match themselves, but it was, it's already, uh, you know, pretty violent. Uh, at the end of it, Cage is on the top rope. Moxley goes to the second rope and hits a superplex. Moxley goes for a cover, gets a two count, and Moxley goes right into the Kimura. Uh, Cage stands, lists Moxley, uh, and buckle bombs him off of his hand. Like, it was like one arm lift, run, buckle bomb. That's how fucking strong Brian Cage is. Uh, And then lifts, uh, Moxley's on the apron, uh, deadlift German suplex by Cage. Cage looks for a drill call, but Moxley rolls through and tries for a cross arm breaker, but Cage partially blocks it. At first, Moxley picks his fingers and finally gets it. Cage rolls through, but it's still locked in. Moxley then grabs his uh, other arm and rips it behind his back, 
Moxley then yanks back on the other arm, and every time Cage rolls, Moxley keeps it locked in. Moxley looks at Taz, gives him the middle finger. Taz finally decides to throw him a towel uh, so that Cage doesn't take and get damaged to be out for another five months from re-injuring his muscle. And afterwards, Cage smacks Moxley with the uh, FTW championship. Cage swings away at Cage. Or Cage swings away at Moxley, but the lights go out. Does anyone fucking edit on this damn website? Jesus Christ. Uh, they come up, and it's Darby Allen on the top turnbuckle with his skateboard. He leaps off and nails Cage in the face. Cage rolls out of the ring. He gets up and makes his way to the back with Taz. Allen uh, gives Moxley a look. Moxley nods to him with the title over his shoulder. Cage wants some more. But Taz is holding him back as the show comes to a close. And like I said, it goes off with Chris Jericho going, I'm covered in orange juice, JR! And JR going, you stink! And that was it. That was a... I like the match. I don't really... I like the way they did it. I just... I mean, if you're going to have Darby Allen, I know that they don't do no... Or no... Like a DQ finish, but this is a time where you can have a DQ finish and no one's going to bitch since they don't do it all the fucking time. Like, Darby can get involved to some some extent, distract him, because, you know, I, I don't know. It just – this was his title shot, and he lost it. So he, him and Darby are going to go after each other. That should be awesome. Very Sting-esque with the fucking lights coming on and him then all of a sudden being there, but, you know, throwing the skateboarder concept in. I liked all that. I, I loved the ending, um, and I loved how Taz could control him at the end of it. I thought that was pretty good. What would you think about the main event, Chris? Fuck them. Dean Ambrose slash John Moxley is the new FTW champion. Technically, you're right. I get the idea. What they're going to sell is he wouldn't submit Taz through the talent, and that's how he lost. That's not how championships work. And also, it's a character who literally gives zero fucks. So, <laughs> wouldn't, would he not be the fuck the world champion now? I guess so. I mean, technically, yeah. <laughs> because in in storyline, we'll look at the whole roster of AEW. There's maybe one person who gives less fucks than Dean Ambrose, which is maybe Darby Allen, right? <laughs> so if the fuck the world championship, you just lost the match to the guy while he flipped off your manager how is he not the new FTW champion? Especially if you're defending the belt, because he defended the belt on Dark against Brian Pillman Jr. I don't have an answer for you, man. Yeah, I know you don't. But I... Because <laughs> it's, it's dumb. <laughs> uh, but the match itself, I thought was incredible. I thought it was a great match. The, the Brian Cage, that second rope suplex the superplex he does from the uh apron to the inside where he pops up on the second rope and suplex the shit out of uh dean ambrose or john moxley i guess uh was incredible like so flawless and he caught moxley i don't know dude brian cage is incredible and and moxley is a brawler and he's really good at selling but uh, one of these people could be a huge star. And the other one, it depends on how they let them promo. <laughs> That's a good point. 
But uh, yeah, Brian Cage, I think I, I think he shined like a million bucks. Sucks he lost here. Wasn't a huge fan of the finish. I, if you're gonna do a DQ finish, now would be the time. I know they're trying to not do that, but even in New Japan, they have a fuck finish every once in a while. This might have been the time for that. Yeah, don't you think that? The problem with DQ finishes is if you overuse it. If you use it once in a great fucking while, this would have been the first time, right? So who cares? Well, I sent you a message at, like, what was it, like 9.56. I said, D, this is going to be a time limit draw because they're not going to do a DQ. That's how they'll finish it. But instead, he tapped out, which means, like, Moxley punked him, right? He beat him. So well, he now, didn't tap out. The towel was thrown in, Chris. Remember? Wow. He got fucked up is what happened. <laughs> Moxley not only tore his one arm up, he switched to the other arm and then switched back to a chokehold and then tore his other arm up. So, like, he got worked. Is basically Unless they're bringing in Conor McGregor, like, who is going to deal with Moxley now that he is the new submission machine? Apparently... I don't know. That's a question because obviously Cage can come back to this. Darby Allen made interest at this, um, but it's going to be probably Darby and Brian Cage. Do we have event- an eventual three-way setting up in the future, or is Moxley going to go on against someone else right now? And if that's the case, who? I hope that Moxley just shows up with his own title that's like made out of a garbage can lens that just says baddest motherfucker on the planet or something weird. This is my title. You know? He's like, if we're if we're just creating titles, and he makes fun of like all the companies making titles. <laughs> oh lord! <laughs> but I I don't know, man. I thought that match was really really good. I thought that was the match of the week for me. Though Riddle and Styles was very 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 good, but this one was was great. Moxley was on fire this entire. There match. was a He's, lot of there was a lot of good wrestling matches across the board, but yeah, I think this might have been. The best one, I would say. Yeah, Moxley sold his ass off this match. And uh, the way he hooked up the Paragon, like, they, they did the bicep gimmick that Taz talked about, which I loved, where he's like, he couldn't completely wrap him on the outside because, you know, his shoulders are too big, as Taz would say. <laughs> you know, bro, his shoulders are too big. You can't you can't lock him up for a double underhook DDT because you can't fool Nelson. His shoulders are too big. Uh, I, there was a lot of things I liked about this match. It, it was great. Like for a TV match, this is the best you could ask for. This could have been a pay per view match. It honestly. definitely could have. And uh, well, it was good. Let's move over to NXT. Um and. It started off with Keith Lee, the new champion. He won both the NXT heavyweight and he was the former North American champion. He comes out. He's got a speech. I love how I forgot who said this. They were like, Keith Lee, it's so crazy because in the ring, he's like the Incredible Hulk. But when he talks, he sounds like Frazier Crane. So basically Bruce Banner. Um, But there is that dynamic where he's very, you know, He's got a good vocabulary. It's intelligent. It's it's kind of, I don't know, soothing. Like if you had him read a fucking book, I think that you could fall asleep to it. Uh, but he's he was very emotional still too. And I, I loved 
you know, him really praising Tim Brooks and saying that he was more than a trainer. He was like a father to me and how he had to basically thank two people. One of them was Tim Brooks and the other one was Dominic Dijakovic, which made a lot of sense because Keith Lee, when he first showed up, Dominic was already there. He had been there for like a couple of years and was just starting finally on the main brand. And they brought back their their matches that they had and Evolve and PWG beforehand, I think Ring of Honor. And um, it was one of the highlighted things that probably excelled his career. So he told management, you know, William Regal, that he wanted Dominic to be the first person that goes against them, and they were going to have a barn burner like they normally do. And uh thing is, Dominic is, is great in the ring, but I wish that he had a bit of personality. Keith Lee's got very – he's got something, you know, with his and a lot of the other wrestlers. I don't think Dominic's quite gotten – that he's not really a character um so i'd like to see more out of it and they have an awesome match that we talk about later but um yeah uh they're basically afterwards they were hyping up for tegan knox going against eo shirai and cameron grimes uh facing damian priest uh would be next uh but before that what did you think of this opening intro with keith lee is 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 keith's i think one flaw chris that for being such an aggressive character inside the ring and doing the Hulk smash that he comes off a little bit too intellectual, like Neil deGrasse Tyson in the ring. You know what I'm saying? Like there was a lot of emotions, but you could like, it's hard for him to kind of go into that aggressive mode when it's not him fighting someone in the ring doing a promo. I mean, I could see that. I could see that argument, but my defense of that would be like Andre the Giant, right? Very intellectual when he spoke. When he did speak, which is few and far between. But anybody got a peanut? Well, not that, Dane. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Damn it. But you get what I'm saying. You can be a big ass dude that smashes people and not be like Brock Lesnar. I'm gonna whoop your ass. Talk for me, Paul. I mean. <laughs> To be fair, Brock Lesnar is smart enough to just hire a guy to talk for him, so that's, like, better than most of the <laughs> wrestling industry. <laughs> so, like, like Brock Lesnar signed a contract and was like, look, I fucking suck at talking. Can you get this guy to do it? That'd be great. Also, he's my manager. Like, <laughs> Is Brock Lesnar just the best? Like, now we're getting off topic. <laughs> um, what, do you got a mouse in your pocket? I, I like uh yeah I do. You want to see it? <laughs> no, I don't. We're not <laughs> skyping that way, guys. Don't worry about it. Um. So yeah, like, do you? Here's the problem, and th- this is the only problem I have with the Keith Lee build. Two belts. Yep. But I thought same the problem was for evil. Same problem. You know, any person has two. You're dropping a division. It's well. I think Evil's just gonna hand his belt over. I'm I'm pretty sure on that. That's gonna be funny if he does do that. I'm pretty sure he's just gonna be like, I don't give a shit about this belt because they're used to throwing that belt around because Naito just threw it in the air for like a bazillion years. <laughs> but uh, yeah, the two belt thing is it's just so weird. Uh, Keith Lee, good promo. 
Dijakovic match later we'll talk about. There was one good spot in this. We've seen this match like a bazillion times, but there was one spot I really loved in it. So Dijakovic, by himself, um, do you think he's missing something? No, I think that he got put into a realm of very good professional wrestlers with Adam Cole at the time, Velveteen Dream, Roderick Strong. Carson. I just think that someone needs to work at, work with him to make him more of a character. They were just top-heavy. They had a bunch of guys that were already ready to go to Maine, yeah. in, in my opinion. So it's like, what are you going to do with him? Well, we'll have him fight Keith Lee, and they'll have great matches. And, and this, is, this is probably my primary problem with NXT is – they have good matches, but they are falling into the slum that Ring of Honor used to do, which is like, yep. we'll just have a match to set up the feud. Yep. I can and, totally see that. Yeah. But, yeah, Dijakovic, uh, I don't know what I would do with him. That's it. He That's seems a good like question. he needs something. Like, not, not necessarily a gimmick, but someone to go over, like, you know, kind of having more personality, at least for I would me. S- I would say stop having him wrestle Keith Lee and lose. Yeah. That would that would be a start. <laughs> yep. He's lost, I think, every single fucking time. No, that's right. They did have the – he won the second out of the three. But, yeah, I think Keith Lee's won – shit. I think he's won one to out of five. Dominic's won one time? Maybe? This would be like Marty Jannetty talking about the one time he rolled up Shawn Michaels. He still tells people at the bar about that. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, all right, so then we had uh, Cameron Grimes, Damian Priest. Very hard-hitting fucking match. Um, I just, like, this was basically Damian Priest got fucked over by Cameron Grimes previous to this. Uh, he got his arms smashed into the door, and then they had a match right afterwards. Uh, so this was him, you know, getting a comeback on him. But uh, towards the end of it... Uh, Priest turns Grimes inside out. Grimes clotheslines Priest over the top rope. Then baseball slides out. Priest catches him, but Grimes uh, slides away. Uh, Priest has Grimes in the crucifix position. He sends him back first into the apron. Ugh, that shit. That looked terrible, by the way. He he fucking did... Screw crucifix uh, position. He did the fucking razor's edge into the apron. Uh, Grimes rolls Priest up for a pin. Uh, Priest uh, gets his shoulders up. Priest comes through with a flatliner. Grimes counters Priest with a small package. Priest kicks out. Grimes goes for another pin after slamming himself into Priest's ribs. Priest kicks out again. Priest throws a few forearms. Cyclone uh, kick into Grimes. Priest delivers the reckoning and pins him for the win. Um, Yeah, that was about it. So I guess this is kind of the end of their feud. Two guys I like that they're building, um, you know, for his height, not so much. He doesn't have like a shit ton of muscle, but for his height, you know, Damien's pretty, uh, pretty agile. And I just like Cameron Grimes. I think he's a fun brawler, but thought this was pretty good. Uh, but obviously it's not going anywhere. So that's the only problem I think is that they kind of made a feud to just end two weeks later. But, um, Still like the match. That razor edge on the fucking apron looked just devastating. I would never want to take that move. Chris, would you take a razor's edge to the apron instead of a pop-up powerbomb? 
How much money do they make in the next day again? Uh, depending on the depending on that answer, yes, I would take a razor edge if if I respected someone like you know camera like some of these cats that are very good at their job. Yeah, I'll take a bump off the apron for like a hundred thousand dollars or whatever they get paid. Uh, no, no disrespect meant to anyone in the wrestling industry. That shit sucks. As someone who's taken flat back bumps, it all sucks. But uh, man, I. They don't have a mid-card, and these guys are mid-card, and there's nothing around them. There's no North American title for them to fight over. I think that's more of the problem, is you're just going to see a lot of the same people wrestling each other, because pushing Keith Lee up to the title picture and building two kind of monster characters with Loomis and, uh, uh, is it Killian Cross? Carrion Cross. Killian Dane? Carrion Cross, sorry. Killer Cross. Killer Cross is Christian name. Um, I, I think that becomes more of the problem is that they're so focused on the main event that everything that falls a little bit b- beneath that, even though there's some great wrestlers there, there's nothing for them to actually go after title-wise. And uh, I, I hate two belts. No one should ever hold two belts. If you win a bigger belt, you should drop the belt to a tournament or something. I hate it. I, I think it's stupid, stupid, stupid thing. And what happens is it freezes your mid card, which is that's what NXT is living in right now. The match itself I thought was pretty good, though. I'll say that. Yeah, I don't, I don't get it, man. Um, but yeah, my, my, my fucking page froze. I agree. They definitely, they need that title back in that division. And it's around someone's waist that has the heavyweight belt. So it's going to be interesting how they get that off of him. Or if I was Keith Lee, so I didn't have to lose a match to lose that title. I think you suggest this, just give it to William Regal and say, I don't need this anymore and let them have a, 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 you know, a tournament for it, like they just with the IC title. Well, it wasn't giving it. He's just stripped. Because he yeah. has the upper echelon, the top title you can have, you take it off of him. And then you set it up where it's like, if he wins this title, now he has a shot at your title. And then you just repeat it kind of thing. Mm-hmm. This is more of what I was getting at. But, yeah, William Regal should just strip the title from it because he doesn't need two belts. It freezes, like I said, it freezes your entire mid-card unless you have a really good feud, which yep. they don't have right now outside of the top of that card. I agree. But let's move on. Uh, we next had Indy Hartwell. Uh, she's been on a couple episodes, but she hasn't in a while uh, but she was in the Mae Young Classic, the last one. She's going against Shotzi Blackheart. whole thing with this is that, you know, Robert E. is pissed off that she tried to kill him with her tank last week by going over his leg and him just overselling but in a, in a pretty funny way in the back while Lee was freaking the fuck out. But he kind of distracted her, and Hartwell capitalized it and got a big kick for the win. So, yeah... Um, you know, not the best way for Shotzi Blackheart to lose, but at least there was some type of interference in the storyline. 
That's probably going to keep on going with Robert Stone. But Indy Hartwell got a really big victory, so that's good for her pretty much. I think that it's not her debut, but it's it's one of the first big matches she's had in a long time. Um, maybe on cable, at least. Uh, I'm sure you weren't happy with this, Chris, I'm assuming. I was indifferent about this because I thought the tank spot was funny earlier. <laughs> but uh, are they giving Shotzi a loss to build her up? Because I feel like they're giving her a push. They're giving her so much screen time that I feel like maybe that's what they think the next page will be. Yeah. I'm, I'm thinking you're right about that. And she's great, so, like, if that's where they're going, it, it seems like that's where they're going. Where, like, Tegan Knox, for instance, who has been great, I don't know what the direction is. I feel like they will think, like, we need an alternative person to be the next, like, CM Punk or uh, Paige-type character. Shotzi Blackheart just marks into that. Where Tegan Knox, like, where do you slot her in as a character? You know what? I hate to make the comparison, and this is nothing against either of them, but a lot of the stuff that I was talking about with Dominic, I kind of feel like with Tegan. It's, and it's kind of a thing that she was now doing in, in stuff where she, she wanted to be more than just a girl that, you know, hurt herself and came back from it. But when it comes to, like, a character, it's like she's herself instead of herself amped up, turned to 11, like what you see in most professional wrestling, and that's kind of bringing it back how I felt about I feel about Dominic too, and, and some other wrestlers in various places. But you know what I'm saying? Like she's just herself. Are you saying she should have came back with that sob story and then been very heel with that giant ass knee brace she has? I'm not saying that she's a heel, but she is using a giant knee brace to back. No, but I mean that could have been the gimmick. Is no, I know. I'm, this... I'm kidding. Okay. If they would have done that, they would have had one of the best deals of all time. You get that sob story documentary thing they put together about her recovery from the knee injury and how terrible it was. And then she just comes back as the shiniest wizard. And they're like, that, that's a solid steel knee brace. Oh, my God. J- Jim Ross is now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> replacing Moro and Aloe. Solid I'll steel. Well, I can't do a Morrow because I hate him. <laughs> but yes. You don't hate him. You just really, really, really don't like him. Like, that's all. Yeah, yeah that's true. That's true. I don't hate him. Uh, I hope so next, happy things for Morrow. Yeah. Next, we see uh, Legato del Fantasma sitting around having some drinks. They toast their victories from the last week. They discuss uh, Brazongo's antics last week. And their disrespect uh, towards lucha libre culture. Their newfound goal is to create an empire. I thought this promo was awesome. I thought it was shot really well. It looked like a fucking movie. Wherever they were, it just it just looked really good. And I'm into this team. I'm I I liked all three guys. I liked DJ Z when he was in um what should we call it uh, Impact. And I liked Raul Mendoza right when I first saw him on 205 Live. So to give them something to do, to be a part of this group, and Phantasma, which I've been watching as King Chiarto and, and, and Lucha Underground, and Phantasma on Impact, and now he's like this, this dastardly like heel, but he's smooth. It's, I'm, I'm, I'm digging it. I just hope that they do things well with it and don't give it to Vince. <laughs> what do you think, Chris? Don't give him to Vince. I, I agree. That's all I have for this. I agree. 
<laughs> well, I'm not I'm not trying to be a dick with this next match, but guys, they've done similar things pretty much in the most of stuff that they've done. I know that you have a spot in particular you want to talk about. I'll just ask you right now. Keith Lee did win the match against Dijakovic, but these guys, I mean, their their chemistry together, it's like I'm not going to say it's Steamboat Flair, but they, they just get each other, kind of like in that same type of level. Um, and they always put on good fucking matches. But after the match, Lee helps up Dijakovic. They both uh, hug it out. All of a sudden, the lights go out, and a spotlight shines on Scarlet. She has a message for Lee and Karrion Cross. As she walks up the ramp, she comes and she dumps what beforehand held a, you know, a... Uh, Oh, what the hell are they call? Why can't I think of them? Uh, the time things. Hour, hourglass. Yeah, the hourglass that she had beforehand for Adam Cole is now shattered and destroyed, and she just throws out all the remains, which is not really nice because people have to take bumps on that, by the way, Scarlet. Um, but yeah, basically your time is up, if you will. And we would see an interview with Dijakovic praising Lee and seeing, saying that you know basically Killer Cross don't want none. And he comes in the frame with that creepy-ass face of his, and the two have a stare down, and then he starts a fight that ends up with Dijakovic going into the, getting slammed into the next room onto the floor, and Killer Cross just looks fucking crazy walking off. So obviously they're setting up that fight for either next week or the week after that, so that should be good. But Killer Cross against Keith Lee, is this going to kind of bite them in the ass, a la... You know, what I was kind of complaining about with AEW. Like, how can you have Cross lose his first big match for a belt and Keith Lee can't lose because he's, you know, is, is are they are they booking themselves in the corner with that, Chris? And how did you like the, the match itself? How did you like the post-interview with Dijakovic, his interaction with Killer Cross? Like, did you like it all? Two thumbs up. And what was that spot you were referring to? Two thumbs up. The spot I was referring to is when Dijakovic came off the ropes and Keith Lee caught his big ass with one arm and just tossed him like he was nothing. That's right. <laughs> like he was nothing. He's so strong. It was it was such a hoss ass move. I mean, it wasn't like acrobatic or incredible as far as like uh you know it wasn't a Pele kick or something crazy like a Canadian destroyer, but like. He caught this six foot six dude one armed and slammed his ass. I was like, damn! And they just hit him up in his finisher right after. I was like, fucking Keith Lee's the best. <laughs> like, that's what happened. He caught him out of the sky, slammed him, picked him back up, hit the finisher, done. That was the match. <laughs> it was incredible. Loved Ridiculous. It. Fucking love Keith Lee. He's great. Um, as far as the question on what you do with the question was what you would do with Dominic, right? After this, Dijakovic. Well, what do you do with Dijakovic? And then also, are they booking themselves in the corner? Because Killer Cross really can't take a loss between him and Keith Lee. And Keith Lee just won the belt. So what do you do in that situation? Time limit draw. I'm, I'm down for that. It's just, you know, no one fucking wants to use that thing. It's that's a that's, it's a brilliant way. Do <laughs> a Broadway, de- baby. The WWE finish is that Adam Cole should have a, a chance to get his title back. So they're just going to do a three-way. Or if they and, have a one-on-one, Adam Cole fucks someone over, and then they probably will do a three-way. Yeah. Yeah. Something I like mean, that. 
Because he, he should have a shot back at his title, holding it for, like, almost a full year, right? So I'm assuming that's where they're going to go. But it would be really great if they were, like, Iron Man match and they tied. And they were like, there's no overtime. That would be awesome. Or something. Like, that would be cool. I, I don't know how else... I mean, the other option is, like, Cross shows up and Keith Lee just demolishes them. Because why not? I, Keith Lee's going to be a bigger star than Cross. I'm sorry. He just is. <laughs> like, you can just have him demolish the guy. I hate that idea. I hope they don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, you could do that. because You could. You could also set fire to the ring and, and slam a person into that fire and watch them burn. I mean, they, they did that with Vader and a bunch of other heels. Is that heel going to mean this more? Is not, to this company? is not AEW we're talking about, Chris. <laughs> I know, but does that heel mean more to your company than the babyface that you're trying to get over, which is Keith Lee? So Keith Lee's not going to lose. And also, you shouldn't have to lose the NXT title to go to the main roster. You should just be able to submit the title and go to the main roster. <laughs> There's no main rosters. What are you talking about? All right. But yeah, no, I, I mean, I, I would assume that. I don't know. There's got to be a fuck finish on that. You can't. I, I still think it's too soon with Killer Cross. There's so many other people he could run through, like Dijakovic, yep. uh, Cameron Grimes, the dude that shoots the bow and arrow and talks weird in the woods. Can't think of his name. Damian Priest. Uh, yeah, like, there's so many other people he should have had to run through before he gets to Keith Lee, because Keith Lee's ran through all these people. Well, speaking about running through people, Timothy Thatcher went against Denzel Desjardins. Uh, bell rings for this match. Not really a long one. Uh, Timothy Thatcher tries to get Denzel into the armbar right off the bat. Desjardins rolls out. Uh, he tries to go for a standing switch. Thatcher catches him. Uh, Dijonet rolls through with a sleeper hold. Dijonet tries to break Thatcher's grip with a few kicks. It doesn't do much. Thatcher locks uh, Dijonet up in a single leg crab, and Dijonet uh, taps out. He keeps on just cranking on it. Oni Lurkin runs out for the save to help Thatcher. This is a problem, though. Now that we don't have Matt Riddle there, you know, it's like now we have to have like some other person that's kind of known for. Nah, I, I guess Oni Lorcan isn't really known for being a catch wrestler, but why? Are, I like Oni. Don't get me wrong. He lost. Why are we bringing him back into this? I, I I didn't get that concept, Chris. But I like Timothy Thatcher acting like a murderer. So the problem more lies in Desjardins because he got a catch wrestling match for two minutes, and I thought it was very well done. This felt like a UFC match. Yep. Where he basically had Timothy beat, and then he, what, he put him in, like, a cross arm bar or something? I can't remember. He rolled into a submission out of a submission, and it was pretty dope, and I liked it, and it was only two minutes long. And also, Timothy Thatcher is great. This match was awesome. This is perfect amount of wrestling for me. <laughs> two minutes of awesome... I'm good with. Thumbs up. I best, agree. Fucking best match on the entire show, in my opinion. Um, we have Io Shirai and Tegan Knox. Okay. I, 
I stand I stand by that, and I love EO and Tegan, but I, I stand by that being as far as it being compacted enough to be that good of a match for what it was. I think that was a better match. Well, agree to disagree, but we'll keep on going. Um, so earlier in the daytime, they showed a video of Robert Stone apologizing to Killing Dane for spilling his coffee all over him and said it was because of Shutsy Blackheart. Aaliyah finds a poster that Dexter Loomis made in regards to Stone getting his leg run over and uh, had Killian Dane doing something weird on it. And Killian Dane grabbed, you know, Robert Stone by his the collar of his shirt and said he wants a match with Loomis and to figure it out. And I guess that will be next week. And the next week we will also get Karrion Cross going against Dominic Dijakovic, which should be good. Um, but yeah. Uh, before the we, before we get to the main event, did you want to comment at all about that segment? Uh, it was there. <laughs> that that's the only comment I have. Yeah, yeah, it is there. Oh Lord! All I, right, so I didn't have anything positive to say about it, so I was just passing it along. I gotcha. <laughs> All right, so we have the main event. This is a good match between the ladies. The breakdown for the ending was that Shirai is throwing a few uh, back shots on uh, Tegan. Uh, Shirai sends Knox back fist into the steel chairs. Or the, the yeah, steel stairs, I'm sorry. Shirai uh, follows up uh, derailing Knox as she moves away uh, from the steel stairs in time. Shirai Transitions her move, uh, set into a Tiger Driver backbreaker combination. Looks so awesome when she does that. Knox delivers a European uppercut before landing a cannonball on Shirai in the corner. Knox covers. Shirai kicks out. Knox chops Shirai twice and sends her down with uh, two clotheslines. Knox is up on the top rope and dives on top of Shirai with a crossbody. Knox plants a choke slam, then goes for another cover. Shirai kicks out. Uh, Good, good selling by Tegan Knox of disbelief. She's got good uh, facial expressions for that. Uh, Knox crashes into Shirai with two European uppercuts. Shirai counters by sending Knox into turnbuckles with a German suplex. Shirai keeps her offense uh, going with a missile dropkick. Shirai goes for a cover. Knox kicks out. Shirai looks for another Tiger driver. Knox counters by sending Shirai face first to the mat. Knox runs in with the Shining Wizard. Shirai counters with a palm strike. Shirai heads up top, gets the uh, moonsault. She kind of missed her a bit, but, you know, that's the type of situation, even though Tegan Knox is too in, too in close, basically. But, I mean, who gives a fuck? She then got the uh, final cover and retained her championship. At the end, they both, you know, praise each other. Io Shirai went up the ramp. She's not paying attention. Dakota Kai came and, dude, kicked her right in the fucking face. Like... If she was trying to make that, if she was trying not to, to connect with her, she fucked up because she nailed her in the fucking face. It's like so that was, was it was like she was backstage and yelled zero fear beforehand and just lit it. <laughs> uh, but uh, how'd you like this match? I, I love the uh, tributes and we kind of talked about it to Kane and Molly Holly, two of her favorite wrestlers. Uh, the rolling, you know, cannonball flip thing off the top ropes and also the choke slam, obviously. But Tegan couldn't get the uh, final thing in, and Io Shirai was able to hit that moonsault and her palm strike, and one, two, three, that's it. 
the promo was terrible until she started talking about Kane and Molly Holly. I will say that <laughs> it turned me. I was like, that's your heroes. That's, that's admirable. Uh, the match was very, very, very good. And I would expect nothing less from these great athletes. Um, I'm still confused on why we're, why we're at this feud still with Tegan. Um, not really sure. Uh, are you more excited of seeing Dakota Kai against Io Shirai than, you know, the buildup with Tegan and her? I mean, it's going to turn into a three-way, so I guess the answer no. Yeah, I would, uh, I don't know, Tegan versus Io for a title would be a better match, but Dakota Kai probably makes a little bit more sense right now. And would you ever want to get kicked in the face like that? Fuck no. Fuck that. <laughs> all right, you answered all the questions that I wanted you to. People need uh, to stop talking to Pentagon. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Pentagon Jr. doesn't know how to hit softly. <laughs> he, he he always comes off more and more like the modern-day L.A. Park, because one of the things with La Park is everyone said that he fucking hit way too hard. Um. It's like he yeah. waited until Dax showed up and he was like, fuck you. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know what happened, but he's been beating the shit out of poor Dax Wilder. <laughs> yep. All right, well, let's move on to SmackDown. God damn it, we have one more show to do, Chris. Oh! How about we just tell everyone? We can uh, sum gonna... this up in one match. Yeah, I was going to say, how about I sum up the rest? Like, I'll just give a little, you know, we'll, we'll go over what happened, and then you can kind of give your retort towards that, and then we'll talk about the fucking main event, because I think that's what I care about the most. And uh, I think that's what you care about, I'm assuming, the most. Mm-hmm. This show is very bad. Don't watch it. If you haven't watched it, before you listen to this review, don't even listen to the review. The show is very bad. AJ Styles and Matt Riddle are very good wrestlers. So the first match wasn't too bad, but it's another reason for, you know, I guess the New Day to get a loss in a singles type of way with some screwy behavior because of their tag team partner. But Biggie lost to Cesaro. So Cesaro finally got a, a, a pin. Uh, pretty, pretty decent match. Sorry. <laughs> but it's true. So with them, they had, when they had a moment of bliss. And it uh, was great. Uh, Daniel Bryan talked about the fight at the end and uh, put over Matt Riddle. Asuka and Nikki Cross went against Sasha Banks and Bailey, And uh, they lost. Um, yeah, and then Miz came out with Morrison. Or more, yeah, and Braun Strowman beat the crap out of him. And Braun was scary and crazy at the end. Lacey Evans went against Naomi and Naomi lost because that's really important. And now, once again, Lacey Evans is a heel. Uh, Jeff Hardy was on there. Uh, just fucking A, man. Can we just get to the end? And all right, so we had AJ Styles going against Matt Riddle. Um, this is a damn good match. I think this is definitely the best thing that they put on the main product, I would say, between the two of them. Matt Riddle is so fucking strong and just very good, man. Uh, so Riddle... Uh, Riddle started with some gut wrench suplexes to Styles, uh, taking him off the floor, hitting two of them. He got to, uh, he goes to get back in the ring, and Riddle hits a knee strike to the face. Styles is already 
frustrated, bashing the announce table at this point. Riddle goes out and mocks Styles, also banging on the table. Styles charges and takes another shot to the head. Riddle continues to dominate, but Styles finally lifts and plants Riddle face first in the center of the ring. Styles with shots in the corner. Riddle with a shot to Style. Puts him down. Penalty kick misses. Tries again, and that then it hits uh, Riddle with a bro to sleep. Flips him over and throws a big knee to the face. Cover. Gets a two count. Riddle, uh, though, or thought he had it. Uh, Style explodes out of the corner with the clothesline. Back and forth. Shots in the middle of the ring. Snap German. Suplex by Riddle. Follows up by a bunch of shots in the corner. Styles lands a kick to the face that puts Riddle on the mat. Styles with a big clothesline in the corner. Looks for Styles' clash. Riddle drops down to avoid it. Grabs the ropes. Grabs him or puts himself over on the apron. Then Styles tries for a suplex counter. Ripcord to the face. Styles down. Riddle heads to the top. Uh, floating bro. Styles moves out of the way. He moved out of the way perfectly. And like AJ Styles is fucking just ridiculous. He looks for a Styles' clash. Riddle grabs the ropes. Styles with a shot to the face. Brainbuster. Great brainbuster actually. Cover. Two count. Styles drives his knee to the back of Riddle's neck. He gets another two count. Styles on the apron looks for the ph- phenomenal forearm. Uh, he gets caught, looks for his stunner. Styles kicks away from that, but Riddle uh, lands a low drop kick. Riddle with an open palm strike misses with a kick, and Styles lands his own shot. Riddle went for a kick. Nope. Styles locks into the calf crusher. Riddle goes for the rope. Styles rolls him around and gets it applied again. Uh, Riddle then counters with a bro mission, but Styles reverses and uh, goes for a pin attempt. Uh, rolls him up for the three count. Winner, AJ Styles. After the match, Riddle can't believe it and looks really disappointed. Styles celebrates a little bit and then goes to Riddle and puts his hand out. Riddle goes to shake it, but Baron Corbin, King Corbin, I mean, comes and beats him. He swings away on Riddle as Styles heads out of the ring. Corbin hits end of days and heads up the ramp. He stares at a downed Riddle as the show comes to close. I don't want to see Matt Riddle and Baron Corbin. I can't believe in this scenario Baron Corbin's complaining about having to work with Matt Riddle, apparently. Um, but I thought this was a really great match. I really liked seeing both guys. They're just they were very fluid. I'd like to see them in a pay-per-view match because you could tell they have chemistry. They're both pretty good at what they do. And I just always like it when the overall guy, if you will, and what I mean by that is like a an AJ Styles, a Shawn Michaels, who great selling, can pretty much do anything at a really good level, goes against a technical wrestler up of the caliber of Matt Riddle. So I thought this was pretty damn good, Chris. Uh, pretty much the only thing to watch from last night, I would say. Agreed. I thought this was definitely the best match on the show. And uh, much like you said, you had two excellent wrestlers getting together and having a good-ass wrestling match, Ric Flair, uh, Steamboat style. This yep. is a TV match, so they didn't go full out or anything. Uh, I thought everything into the finish was good. Just have AJ Styles win if he's going to win. And it, it doesn't matter if he just win. Like the roll-up pin thing with these two, especially if you're just throwing Matt Riddle into a feud with Baron Corbin, which is the part of the show I fucking hated um, more than anything else. Uh, Baron it didn't, Corbin. It didn't matter how how the finish. I mean, you could have done any kind of finish on this TV show, but like a, a roll up 
basically a roll-up, a reversal roll-up. Right. I know they don't want to give AJ the win over Matt Riddle, but now he's going to go fight Baron Corbin. So what does it matter? I don't know, man. Uh, well, let's talk about, you know, it's it's going to be funny because I'm almost positive Slammiversary is going to be more fun to watch than tomorrow night. But, hey, maybe we get good pay-per-views both nights. And on Sunday, tomorrow night, or from when we're recording, at least, guys, we have the horror show Extreme Rules. Um, so let's go over these matches. I'm going to go one by one in no particular order. This is the order given to me by Wikipedia. But uh, we'll, we'll, we'll say who we think is going to win. Uh, we got the New Day, Biggie and Kofi Kingston, putting their titles, their SmackDown tag titles on the line against Shinsuke, Nakamura, and Cesaro. I'm going to go with the big, the New Day, but maybe they'll surprise me, but it doesn't really matter anyways because it's going to eventually end up back on the New Day or the Usos once Jimmy is healed up because that's they know that that's a, a, a safe bet. So, yeah. What do you think, Chris? New Day via uh, Xavier Woods stabbing on the Horror Fest. He's going to put a Jason mask on and stab the opponents. Oh, all right. We got, the, we got that. <laughs> Apollo Crews, the uh, United States champion, is putting his title on the line against MVP. Expect some fuckery in the match between Bobby Lashley and probably Cedric Alexander and Ricochet. Uh, but I think Apollo is going to retain and still be champion, even though I'm the one who said they'll probably put on an MVP about two weeks ago. I just don't. I Just keep it on fucking Apollo. Maybe I'm just hoping that. But uh, who do you think is going to win, Chris? Apollo. I'm on the same page as you. And I was trying to make a Friday joke, but I can't remember the Friday the 13th movie where there's a psychic. But that was going to be the joke. So if you guys remember that one, that was going to be the joke on that one. Well, well, well that's good. Um, Rey Mysterio against Seth Rollins, an eye for an eye match. The match can only be won when the other competitor extracts an eye out of their opponent. Who's gonna lose is us as an audience having to fucking watch it. Um, why this 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 just could be a match between the two, a grudge match to end the feud, and you let Rey Mysterio and Seth Rollins go full tilt. Instead, we're gonna have to worry about them trying to pluck each other's fucking eyes out. I'm gonna say Seth Rollins because I think Rey's getting the hell out of WWE. What do you think, Chris? I think Rey is gonna technically win the match where you have that scenario of like. Gun you just slinger. want to see Rollins in an eye patch, don't you? I do. But also, <laughs> I feel like as a good guy, you have that scenario where you can kill the person and you just don't. Like even Goku versus Frieza, he's like, I won't kill you. But Frieza won't stop. So he takes him in space and he blows him into a bazillion pieces. But Frieza is technically still alive, right? Like he doesn't want to kill him. He's like, I, I, that is outside of my mindset. That's how I feel like Rey Mysterio is. Because he is one of the best baby faces of all time. He's like, I could I could rip your eye out right now and you have a baby on the way. But I'm where maybe Dominic dives in and rips his eye out and Ray's like, Whoa, hold on. <laughs> What have I done? I've turned my son into a monster. <laughs> and he's like, I, w- don't do that, Bobby. <laughs> God damn it, Bobby. 
<laughs> that boy ain't right. But yeah, I, I mean, I just assume because Rey Mysterio is like one of the greatest baby faces of all time. Him ripping someone's eye out, you can't rip his eye out because he might want to go work for another company, especially because he's not under contract. So, <laughs> like, Seth's eye, Seth's eye is getting ripped out by somebody. I'm assuming it's by Ray's kid. I, I mean, I know it's kind of a bold prediction, but that would be my guess on this one. I like your scenario, though, where Ray is like, no, I'm not going to fucking do it, or something on those lines. Like, I like that. It would be very Ray Mysterio to be like, you know what? You can fuck off, Seth. But the concept of having a son just be like, ah! Like, all right, let's do that, too. I don't fucking care. Uh, <laughs> it seems very Boneyard match is what they're going to do with this. Well, it's funny that you said Boneyard match because the next match we're talking about is the Wyatt Compound Swamp Fight. Every Ron time Strowman, Orton and Way- Wyatt go to a compound, it's always good. So, Braun Strowman and Bray Wyatt are going to have a match. Um, so, like I said, the thing that's the biggest flawed logic in all this is this is not for the title. And Bray has these alternate personalities. Like he's, you know, um, what's his name? Uh, the bald dude from the movies with Sam Jackson and Bruce Willis. Uh, is it Switch? God damn it. Or he has multiple personalities, but he, it's like they take over him. So, Instead of using the, the the best one, if you will, this is not even for the title, like I said. He's not using the Fiend, and he's going back old school. All right, whatever. What I'm proposing is either this, or if this is another match afterwards when Bray loses with the Fiend going against Braun. Someone said a scenario where, like, Bray is getting the... Uh, Bray loses to Braun, but Braun, you know, maybe he's, like, in the swamp. And then, like, the first Friday the 13th, the Fiend comes up and grabs him and takes him underneath it. What I would like to see and what I'm proposing, and I, I've heard people with similar concepts. I'm putting just this out there in the universe. Is that from this or from the next match against the Fiend that's the final one, Bray puts the Fiend entity into Braun. And Braun becomes the Fiend. And Bray, as the Louisiana, you know, that Bray Wyatt, is his manager, and then we do vignettes where it's actually the the uh, Firefly Funhouse. So he's kind of dropping to more of a role of like a, I guess a Paul Bearer to that type of monster type of thing, like Kane, if you will, uh, or Kevin Sullivan with uh, with Ming or, or something like that on those lines. I'm not saying Bray can't ever wrestle because he can. They can have tag matches. They can still do stuff with him. But have Braun be different and be, like, completely encompassed by the Fiend, look exactly like him, have the same exact style, and then Bray is able to use all of his personalities to bounce off of him? Because I have to say, and then, Chris, you'll agree with me, Bray can be a bit boring in the ring, and I think more of his dynamic is his creativeness and these characters that he creates. So if you have it where Braun's this killing machine for him, Alec Kane, and he's kind of like your, your Mitchell or your Barra, to Abyss Kane, you know, whatever, if you want to look at it. I think that would actually work out, and I think that Braun's going to win this. And I could also see that scenario. I think Raj Geary from um, Wrestling Inc. was the one who came up with that, that they're fighting in the swamp. He beats Braun, Braun goes underneath, and then they do another shot where Fiend comes and grabs him or some shit like that. So, yeah, I just, it's it's not really helping any anyone 
if they keep on going the way they're doing it. I don't think. What do you think, Chris? Bold prediction. Jeff Hardy shows up as Willow from TNA and wins the title. Or how about this? How about Abyss shows up? Because <laughs> he works for him. Joseph works over there, so just have Abyss show up and beat them both this up. Ma- this match is going to be bad. I, I don't know what to say. I, I don't like any of that. I want wrestling to happen in a wrestling ring. As a wrestling fan who's watched a lot of wrestling that happened in a wrestling ring. This is how we wrestle now. At least least start in a wrestling ring and then move outside of the wrestling ring. Like, I I don't know. I I don't even care. Like, who's chasing the title after them? That's the unanswered question. Is it going to be AJ Styles? He's pretty much undefeated as the IC title holder. Is he going to be the other? Is it going to be AJ Two Belts? Is that what we're doing now? If you hold the the belt below the other belt, you can just win both of them at the same time. Is that a new gimmick? Well, normally in wrestling, you would, you would build people to be on the same level as another champion, but they don't really do that. Note exactly. that Ron just got the fucking title five years after he was hot, or three years, or four years, or whatever the fuck it was. Well, it's definitely um, way after he was slapping that base, and he was slapping that base pretty hard. He's breaking it, man. All right, so we got three championship matches to end it. We got Bailey going against Nikki Cross. I think that we both think that Bailey's going to retain there for SmackDown Women's Championship. We have Oscar and Sasha Banks, which should be a fucking a good match. Uh, but I still think Oscar's going to retain. Who knows? Maybe they'll have both ladies with two belts, since that's a trend like we're saying in wrestling right now. So they can have the tag belts. They can be the uh, the, the two man power trip like Triple H and Stone Cold back in the day. But uh, I actually think Austin's going to win that. What do you think, Chris? I, I think Bailey's like going to pause it. Yeah, I was going to say Oscar. I feel like Austin's going to win. There's going to be a DQ. All right, so our last match. I'm pretty sure we both agree that Drew McIntyre is going to beat Dolph Ziggler for the WWE champion. No, we don't both agree. I think Brock Lesnar's going to fuck him up and Dolph Ziggler's going to get the title. Remember my oh, bold yeah, prediction? That's, right. that's your bold prediction. All right. Oh. <laughs> uh, well, there's that then. Yeah. But um. But with Oscar, I ha- well with that should be match of the night to me, man. I don't know how that wouldn't won't be tomorrow that, night. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say is like surprise match of the night for me. That's where I was going with that is like that Oscar match, Oscar versus Bailey. That could be fuck. Is no, it's Oscar Oscar, Oscar versus Sasha? Sorry. Yep. Yeah, that should be fucking good. And yep, Sasha. They're putting her in the spotlight now. It's been a while. Ooh. So she's she not gonna, phoning it in. Yeah, she's going to turn that thing on to 9,000. And her and Asuka together, it's going to be a good-ass match. I'm excited. I'm excited thinking about it, Dane, how good that match is going to be. It's going to be fucking great. Well, what I'm excited about in about, I think, probably 30 minutes since we've done the show for fucking all day, for you guys out there so you can hear our opinions on everything, um... Slam Reversary is going to be starting soon, I think. It's actually 5:30, so it'll probably be another hour or two. But still, you know, we've been uh, we've been doing this, man, all day. I'm uh, I'm ready to peace out. But I've enjoyed talking wrestling with you, and I've enjoyed talking wrestling to everyone. So uh, why don't you say your goodbyes to all the lovely people out there, Chris? And uh, you know, we'll wrap this shit up. 
Oh, goodbye to all the lovely people out there. Enjoy Slammiversary. I think it should be pretty good. Some good matches on there and some huge surprises, signing-wise, with Anderson and Gallows. And uh, maybe EC3 shows up, does some cool shit. Uh, maybe Dixie Carter shows up. She's not under contract. That'd be fun. Whoa. Um, but <laughs> Bully Ray. <laughs> Who knows? Definitely maybe check Bully out Ray that puts, show. Maybe Bully Ray puts <laughs> Dixie Carter through a table off the fucking entrance. And then just stares into the abyss. Like when he... Uh, <laughs> God, I can't think of her name. Mae Young. Yeah, when he's just like powerbomb. Mae Young. Mae Young, you the goat for taking a powerbomb at like 900 years old through a table. Um, all jokes aside, everyone have a great weekend. Be safe. Enjoy all of the good wrestling. Uh, well, wait. Enjoy Slammiversary. And sit through some segments <laughs> for the set the Sunday pay-per-view. <laughs> but uh, yeah. yeah, everyone yeah, no. Everyone be safe. Have a good weekend. Yep, and let me just wrap it up by saying that like I said, if you guys want to listen to us on other platforms, we're on Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, iTunes, um, YouTube, even just search Wrestling Geeks Alliance. And you'll find our episodes. For new listeners, listen to us every week. We usually do two shows that are out on Fridays and Sundays. So definitely would love to have you guys listening. For all of our past listeners, thank you guys so much. I wanted to say a little rest in peace really quick for uh, former U.S. Representative John Lewis, a civil rights leader um, who passed away today. And outside of that, hope you guys have a wonderful weekend. And uh, continue listening to us. We'll have another episode on soon. And uh, we'll be reviewing all this crazy stuff we talked about. So thank you guys so much. Y'all have a wonderful, wonderful weekend. And we'll talk to you next time. Peace out.
Jerry, do you realize what you've done? You touched the hearts of everyone. You might have died too young, but your legend lives on. I know I can't bring back yesterday. But we'll be all together again someday. 